Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you, whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. This episode of the podcast is one I'm really excited about you hearing, and that's because Towards the end of last year, I had a bit of a sit down, a bit of a planning session, if you will, about the kinds of conversations I wanted to have on the show in 2020. And I decided I wanted to challenge myself, speak to people I've never spoken to before about subjects I know literally nothing about, even tackle topics that are somewhat taboo. Obviously, I do my research for all the shows, but I wanted to push the limits a bit for me, but also for you, my most excellent listeners. So with that said, I started listing the subjects I was either a bit scared to cover, didn't know really where to start with them, or just felt really silly that I was so uninformed about them. And then I set about finding the guests who could help me with those topics and conversations on the podcast. To that end, my guest in this episode is Master Dominic, a professional dominant. And yes, by dominant, I mean professional sex worker. And for the avoidance of doubt, it's worth saying right at the top of the show that Dominic's work is legitimate and legal in the United Kingdom. This episode is not suitable for work. It is NSFW, because in this wide ranging conversation, we cover a lot of ground. We really, really do. But the thing I was most interested about with Dominic was the psychology of understanding someone's deepest desires that they may never have articulated before or may feel someone will laugh at them for saying. Dominic has to be able to, on the one hand, make somebody feel incredibly comfortable and at ease saying what it is they would like to have done to them, and then on the other hand, do that thing, which means at times inflicting pain. That in itself is a fascinating dynamic and obviously is an understanding of human psyche and human psychology that I was very fascinated with and is also an insight into customer service that I really wanted to unpick. 
Also in this episode, we discuss the misconceptions of how people get into sex work, the realities of sex work, and Dominic talks at length about BDSM and explains exactly what this is, and it's not what you might have read in the Fifty Shades of Grey books. We talk about the safety in sex work, or lack thereof, the effect porn has on the sex we're all having and how to open up a dialogue with your partner, about what you'd like and why wanting to try something different, in inverted commas, in the bedroom doesn't make you bad, wrong, or a pervert. When I was researching this episode, I kept coming back to the Mae West quote. And the quote reads, uh, those who are easily shocked should be shocked more often. And I kept coming back to it mainly because there were a couple of times when I wanted to hide behind my own petticoats. But I'm glad that I pushed through. I have said this episode isn't suitable for work, but I don't believe that it's gratuitously or unnecessary, unnecessarily explicit or shocking, although there is swearing. I have put all the links to everything discussed in the show notes, but without any further ado, please join me in welcoming Master Dominic onto The Emma Gunn Show. This is a first, and a glorious first, because, I mean, I'm not technically in the dungeon, am I? But I am with uh, Master Dominic. Hello. (laughs) Hello. Who is a professional dominant, Mm -hmm. and I have come to your... My place of work. Yeah. Um, Office. Chambers is normally a fancy word that we all like to use. Uh, No, we're sat in a lounge at the minute, aren't we? Which is actually quite civilised and nice, but just through there is where all of the the nasties happen. Well, you call it nasties. Nah, it's not. Well, some of it's a bit nasty, but actually a lot of it's quite tame and quite sweet. Mm. Um, I'm shopping at the moment for a nice sort of comfy chair uh, for me to sit on because it's lacking through there on that front so that I can have my feet massaged. <laughs> it's lacking somewhere comfortable to sit. Yeah, I mean, we've got that big bed uh, at the back, but I've been known to nod off during foot massage for worship <laughs> sessions, and that's not a good look uh, when you're supposed to be being worshipped. Uh, and they're down there sort of really going at it, and there's oils and everything, and it's lovely. And they go, how's that, sir? And I go, what? Um, so <laughs> I think being upright is something that, um, that I need through there. So I've already flagged up in the introduction that this conversation will is likely, because we haven't had it yet, but uh, is NSFW, not suitable for work, maybe don't play it in the car on the, the school run, because, I mean, I'm going to let you do a lot of the describing because it's what you do for a living, but cool. what is your line of work and how did you get into it? So, um, a professional dominant... Uh, the word that people, we were saying this earlier, weren't we? It's um, tricky language. The word that people know a lot of the time is dominatrix, mm. which is the female yeah. title. Uh, technically, the male version is dominus, which... Um, <laughs> I just think it's such a wanky word, isn't it? Dominus. Um, it feels like it should come with dominus. Exactly, like, like a little choir yeah, yeah. behind you, yeah. <laughs> um, I do have one slave who I make play the Imperial March every time I come into the room, so dum, 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 dum. And I, and I strut in, normally a bit drunk, uh, in my stupid fur coat, uh, and off we go. It's, it's not it's not very Imperial. Um, but no, a professional dominant provides BDSM, which stands for bondage, discipline, or domination, sadism, masochism, sessions for money. Mm-hmm. And so if someone has a fantasy or a fetish or a kink, and for a myriad of reasons, which I'm sure is a rant that I will get onto at some point, it is not just that they're sort of basement-dwelling neckbeards that, that can't get it elsewhere. Right. A uh, myriad of reasons someone will decide that they want to book uh, a professional, uh, and then they come to my place of work here, um, which is, as far as everyone else is concerned, a photo studio. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and and off we go. And so it can vary from, like I was saying, just very basic foot, you know, an hour of rubbing my feet, um, up to some really intense, you know, hanging people from the ceiling. And I do a lot of medical uh, fetish of catheters and oh, oh yeah um three quarters of qualifiedness i do a lot of training a lot of first aid blah blah, blah to avoid infection mm-hmm. and so it can be everything like some of it's really absurd you know dressing up as a clown and hitting someone with a trifle uh <laughs> true story you know and, and some of it can be very sweet and very nice and very tender and some of it's um just joyously whacking someone with a stick um so that's it that's it you you know i think everyone knows that sort of iconic woman in latex with a whip Mm. with a man on their knees that's essentially what i do but not a woman yeah so obviously there is a stereotype and there is sort of maybe a a preconceived notion but one of the reasons why i wanted to get you on tape is because for me the thing that's most fascinating about what you do is how it will have enabled you to understand people in a Mm. way that potentially 99.9% of us don't understand people Mm. because you are in the business of being able to not just make somebody feel comfortable in the first instance, (laughs) but understanding what it is that they need when perhaps they don't even have the dialogue or vocabulary. Um, That's, that's actually a skill which um, makes me sound a bit elitist and I don't mean, mean it to sound that way. Sort of cuts the wheat from the chaff when it comes to work like this Right. is if you, Ironically, and I know it's people hard for people to get their heads around because I, I can be really hurting someone, mm. but ironically, you have to be really compassionate and empathetic and be able to feel people out mm. to make them happy. And, and like you say, a lot of the time they don't have the language or they feel so deeply ashamed mm. about this really completely inconsequential thing. You know, what? who does this harm? Who? Do, what, what consequence does this put out into the universe? None. Mm. Um... And, yeah, the, the whole mind-reading thing, it's really difficult for all types of sex workers because you'll feel that, okay, this fellow is booked, again, like a, a foot massage session or whatever. But this isn't quite connecting. He doesn't seem very engaged, and he doesn't seem as excited as someone who has just that fetish would normally be. Mm. And so I wonder what happens if I start barking at him a bit, <laughs> you know, if I'm a bit meaner, or if mm. I'm a bit softer. Or maybe I could go and put on some different socks. Maybe he likes sports socks. Mm. Um, And that's the joy of it and the fun of it, but also it can make it a bloody hard day at work when you've got 40 minutes left on the clock and you're thinking, I I haven't found where this fella lives yet and I really want to find where he lives Mm. to make him happy. When you see them sort of beaming at the end of a session and they're relaxed and they're chilled, that's like incredible job satisfaction. Mm. Um, So it's hard for people to get their head around. You get asked a lot, so you hate men. I know I love men. You, you know, to be around them in this way for sometimes 60 hours a week, you know, I work my ass off. Mm. Um, you've got to really love people and really love men and be able to deal with some uncomfortable stuff at times. Some of the fantasies are very... You, I would never judge anyone. But you do sometimes sort of reel a bit. Mm. Things, you know, that involve racism or, you know, childhood abuse or, and things that they've survived. Mm. Um, so you've got to have a lot of empathy and a lot of patience um, and a, a genuine sort of fascination in why do you tick? Mm. What makes this tick happen? Where did it come from? Um, how do I work it? How do I turn it into maybe a positive thing, which a lot of them are looking for? Mm-hmm. Is this was something I was maybe bullied for or something that an ex was really awful to me about? You know, you're a pervert for wanting to sniff my pants or mm. something. 
uh, and trying to turn that into well, like a positive thing. Like, well, look how happy you've made me by doing a good job of my feet or blah, blah, blah. And right. see, this is actually a useful part of your personality. I really like that. I really like taking something that maybe feels dark uh, or weird for them and, and has been treated that way and turning it into something really positive and, and nice. Taking it out of the darkness and bringing it into the exactly. light. Exactly. Um, so let's take a couple of steps back before we get into it, because there's okay. obviously a lot to unpack uh, in all so of I'm, that. I'm verbose, aren't I? <laughs> um, no, I love it. Please never, ever apologise for being able to talk. Um, I, yeah, just would you mind telling the story of how you got into it? Sure. Um, it's actually not very salacious at all. Um, I... The best way to sort of contextualise it, I think, is my favourite Disney character as a child was Maleficent. Everyone else was terrified of Maleficent. She's scary and she shows up and curses a baby. Mm. Um, and I was there like, where did she get that coat? <laughs> uh, <laughs> how do I get a coat like that? Uh, and then I saw Hellraiser, you know, the Hellraiser films with Pinhead? Oh, yes. Um, when I was about 12. They were very sexy movies. It's It's... It's an incredibly it's violent... Yeah, it's incredibly violent, but it's sexy. And Pinhead was there with the leather, with the nipples out, and the dress, and the gloves, and I couldn't tell if I wanted to be him or fuck him. Mm. But what I could tell was that was the first time I ever ejaculated. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a filter. Get, get used to it. Um, and so I, I'd always grown up... And Rocky Horror, Frankenfurter. Oh, amazing. Um you know, couldn't have been less interested in Rocky, who is this blonde, muscular... I didn't make him for you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but Frankenfurter, again, oh, oh, that's quite nice. I want, Again, I wonder where he got his heels from. Couldn't mm. figure out if I wanted to be him or fuck him. Mm. Um, and so my mum always remarks um, that, that she always used to sort of look at me and think, I'm pretty sure I didn't drop him on his head when he was a baby, <laughs> but maybe I'm questioning it now. Um, and so I'd, I'd always... It was always just in my makeup to be interested in that sort of side of things, uh, the villain side or, or whatever, and, and that aesthetic. And then when I was maybe about 14, uh, I was watching one of those sort of late night Channel 4, I think it was called Sex, How to Do Everything. Mm. And they had a dominatrix on. And that, to me, was the first real-life superhero that I'd ever seen. You know, raised by a single mum, and that, that woman is a demon. So I love women, I revere women. And to see this one with, you know, the latex and the black hair and the harsh black eyebrows mm. with a man on, the, on, on lead on the floor. And I sort of looked at it and went, that. Not quite sure if I can do that because that's, that's a woman. But if I can do that, that's where I'm going. Mm. And so while everyone else finishing secondary school was applying to colleges and blah, 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 I was ringing up dungeons. Um, and so I did it. I did my first session I found online. Um, a bloke was looking for someone to snatch 50 quid out of his hand and punch him in the face in a bus stop um, and so I finished a GCSE exam hopped on a bus uh, and off I went and I did it um, and I should have been nervous you know what I mean I, I should have been and I just wasn't mm. um, you know I used to smoke back then and everything and, and having 50 quid at 16 years old you know I immediately hopped back on the bus went and bought two packets of Marlboro uh, and a bottle of whiskey and sat in the park on my own, listening to music, shit-faced, uh, with my cigarettes, just sort of cackling, mm. and just, that that's me, there you go, that's me, this is me. Yeah. Um, 
So I did, in fact, still go to college and everything. Uh, I did hair, uh, skin and beauty. Um, and we should flag up now because a lot of there'll be a lot of listeners who may know you from... Uh, you're, I think you're in my group and mm-hmm. you are in Car- Caroline Hirons, obviously. Yeah, she's one of my best mates is Caroline, yeah. Exactly, and that's how we know each yes. other. Uh, I admin her Facebook group. There's 30,000 members. Mm. And that's actually something which I guess we might talk about at some mm. point is balancing life. Yes. And for me to have things that are nothing to do with work, mm. just nothing to do with work. Mm. There's 30,000 members and I'm sure 99.99% of them have no idea who I am or mm-hmm. what I do. And I love that, that I can just talk about skin mm-hmm. and I can talk about beauty and no one's, you know, people do. And we do have discussions about work mm. in there sometimes, but for the most part, I'm, I'm just admin. Mm. And that's really important. So you don't develop uh, dominatrix inertia syndrome, which is when you just turn into an absolute twat all the, all time. the time. You believe your own hype. You know what I mean? When you're being worshipped for a living, uh, it, it, if, if you don't keep your feet on the ground and if you don't have people around you to keep your, the feet, your feet on the ground, um, it can be really easy to float off. And it's, it's a shame. I, I have colleagues who are, are really interesting, funny, wonderful people, but they're jerks. Because it's just gone to their head and they don't have anyone around them saying, I don't give a fuck if you're mistress this or master mm. that. To me, you're just you. So wind your neck in, mm. stop yelling at that waiter, you know, and, and just behave like a naughty mo. It's interesting, isn't it? Switching off from work mode. I mean, I, when you were saying that, I was thinking, I feel really guilty about the time I went down and visited my parents and went to the coffee shop. And they live in a small village. Mm. And I live in London. So if I go to a coffee shop, your coffee is ready within 25 seconds yeah. and it is piping hot. Yeah. So there's me and this woman's like looking at the thing going, right, flat white is one part coffee. And right, <laughs> have you got the milk, Fred? And I'm literally there like stomping my foot. Starting to wrap your fingernails on that, yeah. Because my, my muscle is tight and toned for London coffee yep. delivery. Mm. But it must be if you do this for a living and I want to get on to some of the other elements of it, but one of the elements of the way that you are able to work in the UK mm-hmm. because your kind of work just to get this out here as well it's legal for you to do this work absolutely yes it isn't in other countries but in no. the UK it's legal there are still silly laws to do with someone can't consent to an assault um, and so even though they've literally employed me I can't break someone's skin uh, by battery mm-hmm. so if I'm caning them for example I can't make them bleed mm-hmm. there are still the laws but yes it's legal registered pay tax, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Other countries, America, I couldn't get in. No. If they knew who I was, they wouldn't let me in. I'd be ejected at the border. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Because it's only legal in Nevada, isn't it? Yeah. And there are pockets, you mm. know, it's, it's an odd country. There are pockets where, you know, you can do this, and but you can't use that word, and, and you can't blah, blah, blah. But for yeah. the most part, I've had a lot of colleagues that have tried to go out there, not for work, just to go on holiday, holiday. and they get ejected. One was held for 12 hours and detained and searched, and she was just like, I'm a hooker. What do you think I'm doing? Do you think I have a bomb in my vagina or something? Like, what What do you think I'm doing? Mm. I'm just here because I want to go shopping in New York. What the fuck? Mm. And yeah, detained uh, and ejected. Christ. Well, one of the characteristics of the, the law in the UK is that you can't work with another sex worker. Is sex worker okay? Yes. Listen, as I've already said to Dominic, if I say something during this podcast due to my lack of education... That needs to be corrected. Correct me yeah. and correct me immediately. No, it is sex work. That's a rant, actually, which I will try and 
uh, pull down, but there's this thing that we refer to as the hierarchy, as in hierarchy. <laughs> and I hate it um, that professional dominance, we're considered at the top of it mm. because we don't fuck our clients. Right. And so you will still see professional mistresses and masters go, I'm not a sex worker. My job involves fisting. They ejaculate on you. They're, you know, they're paying you to rub your feet, not just because they want to be nice to you, but also because it gets them off. Mm. So he's having some sort of sex and you've been paid. Mm. It's sex work. Mm. The same as a stripper or a webcam performer or whatever. But but it's still this um, whorephobic sort of thing where... Any and cognitive dissonance, anything to stop you being associated from the $10 handjob hooker stood on a street corner. Mm. A, stop being an asshole because that person is stood there because they need to be. You know, anyone giving a handjob for $10 on a street corner, where is your fucking empathy? You know, I'm incredibly privileged as a worker that I earn much more than that an hour and I'm not stood on a street corner. Um, But it's that thing of, well, at least I'm not a filthy whore. And like, I get covered in all sorts of bodily fluids all the time. I put my fist up people's backsides. I have more dildos than any one person should ever need. uh, And they all get used. Just because I am not having penetrative sex with someone does not mean that it is not sexual. And so it absolutely is sex work. And anyone says that they are not a sex worker in my line of work is a Muppet. (laughs) (laughs) So yes, sex work is correct. Yes. Yes. Okay. And then I think the other thing that uh, we should probably just cover off is... You are... How do you identify sexually? Gay. Gay. Um, I do occasionally session with women, blah, blah, blah. But I have this real... Again, uh, some people find it ironic given what I do, but I have a real thing about customer service. And... Friend of Caroline Hybrids. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you know, you, you have to... Like, the people that are putting food on your table... Mm. And, and I, I, I care about the clients so much... Um, you know, 99% of them are so lovely that I can't stand to think that I would take someone's money off of them and not give them a completely wonderful experience because that spark of familiarity and attraction isn't there. Mm. I'm gay. And Mm. I've been taken to task on that a few times. Well, that's very misogynistic. And anyone that accuses me of being misogynistic uh, needs to be a better journalist. (laughs) Um, You know, I love women. I, you know, I revere women. In my classes, it's all about, you know, blowjob classes and things like that. It's all about fuck you, pay me, from the aspect of the woman. Mm. Um, but I just, I don't go, with a woman, I'm gay. Mm. Mm. And also, hilariously, the women blow the men out of the water when it comes to filth. Like, it, it, it explains on my website that I see men. Um, but people don't always read. Um, I like to think that that's a compliment. They look at the pictures and go, oh, I want that one. Um <laughs> And the emails that I get from women, you know, I'll read it and go, woof, a young lady. I I was not prepared to have to read that at all. Um, Whereas the men are much more reverent a lot of the time and and much more sort of, you know, I'd quite like it if you made me, maybe gave me a bit of a spanking. And the women are like, and that's when the third guy ejaculates in my eye, um, which I find like amazing that actually the women are the the real demons uh, in bed rather than the men. Much more descriptive by the sounds of it as well. Very and very like we all know this. Uh, men are the fairer sex. It's it's not women at all. And so it's like they know. Wait, elaborate. What do you mean? 
oh man, we're, we're tragic, aren't we? We have weaker <laughs> immune systems, we can't take pain. Uh, did you see that there was a study recently, oh, sorry, of a, an experiment uh, trial, that's the word I'm looking for. Was it double blind? <laughs> More than likely. Um, no, it was birth control, male birth control. And it set off the same symptoms as women get. So you're emotional, you're pissed off, blah, yeah. blah, blah. And all of them dropped out. Oh. Their poor little bodies <laughs> couldn't handle it. Um, whereas women, you know, get on with it. Mm. It's from Fleabag. It's um, season two. It's not a spoiler, don't worry. Where uh, she's talking to some uh, to a, an older woman and she says women are born with pain in their bodies. You know, we they have pain. Mm. Um, men don't. And like we're pathetic, you know. We're, the man flu is an actual thing mm. because we actually have weaker immune systems. Um, you know, and, and you know those machines that they hook up to men to try and uh, give them Simulate a similar contractions. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they're, they're they're like, I can't do it. And that was like the first round right. of contractions, and you've gone out. Um, so also, you know, watching my mum. My mum was a hell's angel. Um, and that woman really missed a trick on not being an MMA fighter. She's incredible. Like, really genuine. I know it sounds really bad, but she's really talented at fighting. Um, and watching her knock out a six... She, she's five foot one, you know, and watching her knock out a six foot five bloke in a bar because he said that he kicked a dog. Oh. And she just... Uh, she had to be pulled off, and it took, like, seven fully grown men to pull her off. She, she just knocked him out. He was just unconscious. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I've grown up not with Speechless. the thought, but with the with the knowledge, having seen it, that right. women are absolutely not the fairer sex. Right. We are. Um, can't remember the point that we were on then. My, oh. my mother always gets brought up in this sort of stuff, and she always outshines me. I'm really boring compared to my mother. Um, yeah, uh, she she's chucked it out now, but she had my penis thrown uh, in the garage. You know, the Game of Thrones, the Iron Wait, Throne. What? She had your penis. Thrown. My penis thrown. Uh, you oh, know, your penis thrown. Thrown. I you meant... No, a chair. <laughs> a chair to so sit on. paid someone to throw your penis around. <laughs> Don't revere this woman. No, uh, the Iron Throne from Game of Thrones, the law there is that it's made out of all of the swords of the enemies, right? Yeah. Uh, and a company called Bondara launched a, a sex toy uh, company website, launched a Game of Thrones themed line. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a promotional thing. They made an Iron Throne made out of dicks. Mm-hmm. So I eventually acquired it because I saw it and like I need, I need right. to have this. Is that your comfy chair that's coming for the dungeon? Well, unfortunately, no. It had to be destroyed. Um, it turns out it's fucking cursed that chair. I couldn't figure out why someone gave it to me because it was up for auction originally and not cheap. You, you know, six hundred quid I think it was going for. And when it eventually landed in my hands for free, I'm like, okay, what's the catch? Why? Um, and it will not fit through any doors. The dildos just fall off of it all the time, and so you'll found you'll just find a random spray painted, you know. I can't bear poor workmanship, Dominic. Well, this was the thing. It was from a distance. It looked incredible. Total Monet. Yeah, and then you sat on it and went, "Oh, this is made out of foam," oh. uh, and it had wheels. And so she was like, "Well, I'll have it in the garage because she wanted to see." Uh, she's very ill now, unfortunately, but she wanted to see if she could find a way of building it onto her mobility scooter. And I, Mum, <laughs> you can't be driving around with a throne oh, no, made out of... Oh, she, she lives in Hampshire, uh, and that, <laughs> that would have just been amazing, I think. You know, popping down the town to the market on a mobility scooter made out of dicks. 
Um, but she didn't do a good enough job of covering it, and so it grew mold. And so it's recently been thrown in the bin. I think, I think that does sound like it's for the best. <laughs> but we talked about your line of work being something that uh, enables you to understand people in a way. Yeah. And it's a two-way street because you obviously have experience of reading people, understanding what they want. When someone says, I want to massage your feet, maybe what the thing that they're not saying. Mm -hmm. So you're, I always call it reading the matrix. Like mm -hmm. you're seeing what they're saying and then you're sort of looking, looking at the code. It. Yeah. And then also uh, developing those relationships with people where they trust you to be able to mm -hmm. say, well, actually it's this that I want to work up to, but I'm frightened. They mm -hmm. are actually, I think in modern media, perhaps we have tri trivialized and maybe made it quite funny mm -hmm. sex work of this type. Like mm -hmm. it's been, it's almost, the demeaning element has become something that has made it... Very. Um, I have a work phone uh, for, for calls to come in on. And people who, obviously, uh, it's very, very rare that I have to regress and be a quote-unquote hairdresser around new people because, fuck off, I'm proud of, of what I do. Um, but on the occasion... What do you mean by that, sorry, that you have... You, you, there you... are occasions when people go... Can you just not talk about work around people? Like, well, I wasn't intending on talking about work around people anyway. But right. but if I absolutely have to for a christening when I'm showing up to curse the baby, um, <laughs> then I will occasionally go. Okay, fine, I can be a hairdresser mm -hmm. for the day. Um, although that's changing now, actually, which is lovely. Like now versus ten years ago, mm. um, I'm a hairdresser, quote unquote, a lot less often than I used to be, which is nice. Mm. Um, but no, I've got my work phone, and when that rings. People are expecting me to go, what? <laughs> you know, because of that, like you say, that sort of cliche of yeah. being demeaning and being horrible. And, and so they're a bit disappointed when I answer it and go, hi, Mark, how you doing? <laughs> How's your mum? Yeah, yeah, I can do Thursday. That's lovely. What, what, do, do, do you want to go for the double fist or, or shall we actually sort of pull back <laughs> on that? Um, and people, are, you can see them go, oh, well, that's disappointing. Mm. I thought you'd be, thought you'd be horrible. And people will say, you know, I'll post on Facebook uh, saying, you know, fucking boiler's not working. Uh, does anybody know someone that's, you know, mm. given the sort of stuff that I'm sure you can imagine you find in my house, I don't always like to outsource uh, for handymen, if at all possible, uh, having to sort of cover everything up. Uh, it's a pain in the ass. And people go, well, why don't you get a slave to do it? Like, right. Because this would be their labour and I would pay them for it anyway. Mm. Like, I don't just click my fingers and... It's not like that mm. at all. It's not like that. Yeah, there's, there's a misunderstanding about what actually goes on. It mm. is transactional. But sure. I think something you said before we started recording, because I had said to you, I'm so fascinated by the psychology of this, mm. by, how, by how it's allowed you to understand people, because when, uh, society isn't particularly open about sexual wants, no. needs and desires. And they are taboo. They're post-watershed. And... It can, it can be uncomfortable for people to mm. express what they want or feel comfortable about. Mm. But you said something really beautiful, actually. You said a lot of the time, yes, they come here and there is a service or there is mm. an activity, but actually it's acceptance yeah. that they are getting from You can me. hear it on, on the fence. That, that is uh, what I say. The biggest thing that I sell people is, is acceptance. And when the phone rings... Um, saying to you wasn't I they'll, they'll, a lot of time they'll stutter a bit and mm. sort of I was wondering if I could maybe but and this is me you know they've seen my website mm. and still to me they're nervous and I get that it must be intimidating and 
you know, and they're stuttering. And I, I was wondering if you could, um, well, it, it might be might be a bit weird. And I said to Willie, like, buddy, it's not going to be weird at this point. I mean, I've literally set fire to testicles twice this week. <laughs> um, make sure to pat it out fast, kids. Um, yes, uh, listener <laughs> discretion advice, please don't set fire to anything. That is actually a really good um, advice thing. Like, genuinely don't try it at home. Uh, for a modest fee, I will teach you how to do it safely. Um, so there are some things that can really hurt people, you know, and I think go and learn. All bags on I, fire, we're going to say. Yeah. Um, I do still now. I will find a colleague who is more experienced in something than I am and I'll pay them for a class and how do I do this safely, blah, mm. blah, blah. So always do that. That's something that's... I'm going to get back to the point. Yeah. But that's something about sex and everything that I wish we were doing more of and it's why I educate is if you wanted to learn another language, mm-hmm. you would go and book a Russian class, wouldn't you? Mm-hmm. And so why don't you go and book a sex worker to teach you? Anyway, so on the phone... Um, when they eventually go like, I really want to lick your feet, um, and they finally blurt it out, and I go, yeah, that sounds great. How about Tuesday afternoon? I've got a gap then. You can hear them go, <sighs> mm. like almost like you can feel the, the physical like relief. the exhalation, yeah. Um, and I, I know it's really dark, but but sometimes when it is very dark, when it is perhaps something to do with those like, so survived abuse and they want to maybe relive it or something like that to try and reframe it. Right. Um, when you say to that, and, and also to do with um, being a person of colour, it breaks my heart. And I understand why it happens, and I understand as a white person that I'm very privileged and that it's not the right response for me to go, what, why? I do understand why this happens. Um, just breaks my heart that it does, that they'll say, I'm black, is that okay? Oh. I'm Asian, is that okay? And... and I get this. Still. Yeah. Yeah. I have one of my, my boys. Um, I don't know why I said still. I just, it's like, yeah. it's like really? Well, it's, it's like, you know, homophobia, racism, misogyny, blah, blah, blah. It's still very much there. People are just smarter at hiding it. Mm. And it takes different forms. You know, when you can't get away with lynching, then you get away with, you know, the, the smaller not offering the same job opportunities. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be violent and overt for it to still be there. For it to still Yeah. And other, other sex workers will reject people of colour, people with disabilities, trans people, yeah. Uh, I have a, a trans slave uh, client, blah, blah, who I absolutely adore. Uh, and in his first email to me, it was, uh, hello, Dominic, I'd like to book a session, but I should let you know that I'm trans and I understand if that's not okay. And again, I understand why mm. why that has to be said, but also it really shouldn't. I don't care what's in between your legs. Mm. Like, I'm going to kick it anyway. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to see bomb Get ready. Um, but with uh, with him, because he was assigned female at birth. Right. Uh, and hasn't had bottom surgery. Uh, kicking in, in that area is called a cunt punt. Cunt punt. <laughs> I just spat. <laughs> That's kind of what happens when the cunt punt. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, and this is something, okay, so with you, I, and because we've talked beforehand, we've sort of, Mm. because we've been introduced by a mutual friend, we've had very relaxed conversations, and it's got, and one of the first things that was said when we were introduced was, you've got to get him to tell you the story about the kidnap fantasy, and immediately we went to a place of fun, and we went to a place of all of the sort of workplace stories, in the same way that, you know, um, 
I used to work on a magazine interviewing celebrities. So if I ever I bring that up, one of the first questions is, oh, he was a real dickhead. And yeah, he's the nicest yeah, celebrity yeah. you've ever met. But, it, but I, I wonder, and I'm, I don't know, this is my first foray into <laughs> this kind of topic, truthfully, on tape. And I wonder whether it's easier to go to a place of humour with you because you are a man than yes. it is for... Because if you actually look at, if you go to uh, resources like TED or uh, people giving TED Talks, the majority, if not all, mm. it's all from the female perspective. Mm. And quite rightly, the issues that are brought up there are about safety and mm. about how the laws need to change to protect women mm. doing this kind of work. And then I, as I was doing my research, I thought... Yeah, with Dominic, it's very easy to go to the funny place. Yeah, mm-hmm. you, I feel like if I was sitting in front of you and you were a woman, it would be completely inappropriate for me to do that. You'd have to be led by way. her. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, there certainly are the same. I mean, male sex workers who are full service, which means, you know, escorting, having sex, similar levels of violence. But of course, the violence put onto women by men is very different. And mm. the, the schematics of what's going on with a full-service sex worker who's female, um, there's this awful website, which I think has been taken down now, but it, I could, what was it, UK Punting or Punternet or something like that? And it was reviews of female sex workers. And it's hateful. It's, it's just hateful. Um, that doesn't exist mm. with men. There is, um, what was it? It was called something like Daddy's Reviews or something like that that was an escort review board for gay sex workers, for male sex workers. And the, the contrast was just staggering. Um, so the reviews were, on the one that was female, it was the client vile. giving feedback and it being negative. Yeah. And the one where men reviewing male sex yeah. workers... They would still give feedback mm. on, on the, the gay one, on the male one. It would be, you know... Um, Things like, uh, should have gone for two hours, it felt like he was a bit stressed, right. you know, or don't know if we completely hit it off the same way, but he was a lovely guy, I would recommend. Right. The female one was like, she had gross, saggy tits. Yeah. Oh. Um, and obviously I, I have a lot of friends uh, in in the same line of work. And the thing that, that I've spoken to with, with female sex workers about that sort of thing, they've been like, but that's not true. That's not what happened. I remember this guy, like he said when the appointment was, so I, I can pin who this guy is. Mm. And he's saying that I, you know, wasn't prepared to do anal. Actually, I just don't do anal full stop. And so the reason that I barked at him and said, don't try and stick it up my ass is because that's not a service that I offer. Mm. You know, the whole wrong hole slip. And that, that for me, being around these women and, and, and hearing about their stories, it, you can see why there's so, such less humour and I can mm. see why I'm so privileged um, it's one of the many reasons that I would not be able to be a full a full service worker is the idea of letting someone inside my body right. who I know is then going to, with his weird, toxic male rage, going to put up a review like that about me afterwards. Right. Can you imagine the emotional like impact that that's going to be having on you? Mm. And a lot of those women are badasses. A lot of them are like, well, fuck him, he had a tiny dick. Um <laughs> And they joke about it, about, you know, the clients um, that will say, you know, oh, it's, it's so obvious that you love being around me. And they're not mean, you know, they're like, yeah, I do quite like being around him, but buddy, I'm on the clock. You know, <laughs> like when you leave, I'm, I'm going to put my jammers on and watch EastEnders. Um, so they're not, I'm not saying that they're horrible about them and, and blah, blah, blah. And a lot of them enjoy their work and choose it. But 
but I've just yet to come across that same vitriol from the clients and that the venom and the risk, you know, that there's this whole thing where, let's say, a $10 hooker is disposable. Like, you'll notice it now. I'll ruin a load of comedies for you, and good. <laughs> that the, the death of a sex worker is used as a comedic device. Dead stripper. There was a Scarlett Johansson one, Dead Stripper. Oh, you're right. Yeah, and it's funny. His death scene, one of them jumps on him um, to straddle him because he's so sexy and they've been doing cocaine and everything, and they knock his head and kill him. Mm. They've got his body out of a sunroof later on to try and make it look like he's not dead. And this is a person. Mm. This is a person. Um, That was unusual for it to be a male sex worker because the dead hooker thing, Mm. it's, it's an ongoing joke and it's always women. Mm. It's always women used as a comedic. There was that very bad things with Cameron Diaz years and years ago. Oh, God, yeah, that was really dark. Very, very dark, but picks up the stripper when they're having sex, kills her. Mm. Um, We're seen, by we I mean sex workers, as um, less than and therefore disposable. Mm. And because I'm male, I think, I'm less disposable simply because I'm male. Mm. So that's where the the humour... And I try and use the humour, A, to make light, and also to try and hopefully open up conversations because mm. if people think they've been lectured they tend to just go nah I, I don't want to hear it um but if someone goes oh well he's he's quite charming and funny and he was he had some funny stories mm. I've, I've learned that people start listening to me but again I'm I'm very aware it's because I'm a bloke if I was a woman and I'm still thinking you know I've been raped three times this month by because I've stood on a street corner because I have an addiction blah 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 I tend to go well you're a whore right. what, what do you expect but when a middle-class white you know, educated, well-dressed man stands up and talks about it, people listen. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a big And the law as well, and again, I try to do my due diligence with my research, but you obviously will know uh, the details probably better than I do, but the, the law here means that if I was a sex worker and we were in this place together, mm-hmm. someone could come in and do us for having a brothel. Yes. Just just by the fact... Just by me existing. Even if I existing. just came over to have an egg mayonnaise sandwich with you. Yeah. Yep. If I do a session and my husband is in the house, um, if I know a slave very well, then, and they're just like a domestic thing, they don't want the big dungeon, mm. um, then sure, you can come around and and we can do whatever uh, in the lounge. If my husband is in the house, it's a brothel and he would be sent to prison. So that means that it has to be, it, it's a We lonely, have to be alone. Yes. Yeah. Which is Incredibly dangerous. dangerous. Like the first dungeon that I worked in... Um, when I was definitely 18, cough. Um, I used to lie to everyone all the time because I've always been six foot two and, mm. and this big and everything. My voice broke about four times before I left secondary school. Um, and so I was very precocious and very like, I'm not waiting until I'm old enough. Right. I, I'm doing it now. Um, the first dungeon that I worked in was in Soho before Soho turned into a... Before we get to Soho, can, please may I ask you a question? Because I think mm. a lot of... When I was researching, there is a common misconception that anyone who gets into sex work is damaged in some way and got into sex work because something went wrong which can be true in the same way with anything but a lot of the time sex work um it's a lot of money quickly Mm -hmm. um it's flexible a lot of sex workers myself included have chronic health problems for example um yeah, I'm diabetic. Um, I don't do well with authority, and that was something that I was challenged about as a kid all the time. 
And instead of being bullied about it and, and taking that on as a negative, I sort of went, no, I'm going to find something where that's an asset to myself. Right. And so the stars lined up for me to go into sex work. Yeah. Um, I wasn't an addict. You know, I wasn't... Um, but I, I hope you don't feel offended by that. No, like, no, no, not at all. It's like, true. Yeah. It's the same as anyone that's into BDSM. They, they have to be broken. Like, maybe they yes. just, like, getting their backside slapped. Uh, and so, yeah, some people do get into sex work or, or fall into it, especially women, because... You, you know, recent, I can't remember who it was, but someone recently said about homelessness, it only takes one mm. big life event. Mm. One big life event and you're there. Now, as a woman, especially, what is one thing that you can always sell? Mm-hmm. What's in between your legs? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it does happen. And I, I would be being very glib and very privileged to say no. But a lot of people, a lot of my colleagues, choose it. Mm. Fits with their schedule. Some of them have kids or they have a disabled parent that they're looking after. And you can make the same money in two hours that someone else in a cleaning job would make in a week. And so if you're the sort of person that is quite happy to suck a dick or open your legs, or in my mm. case, beat someone up, and it's not upsetting to you or whatever, then why wouldn't you? Mm. Uh, it doesn't mean that you're broken. It means that, you, you know that whole thing of going to a job interview and them saying, why do you want this job? And like, because I have a vested interest in not starving to death. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand the question, you, you know, why it's always a bigger thing. Like, I don't want to starve to death. It's it's good money. I enjoy the work. I'm good at it. Mm. Um, that's really lovely to feel... That's one thing I wanted to find out from you is I was hoping you were going to say the words, I'm good at it. Yeah, I am. Like, job satisfaction. Yeah. Not all the time. Some sessions go horribly, horribly wrong. Mm. Um, when my... Um, I, I sense comedy. <laughs> oh, well, the weepers, for example. I'm more comfortable with them now, but weepers are difficult. Um, sometimes that sort of cathartic thing comes out of the eyeballs. Right. Um, I say all of the bodily fluids, not just the sexy ones. Mm. And the first few times I had a weeper, I was very, what do I do? Do I carry on? Mm. You know, or do I stop and put the kettle on and give him a cuddle? Like, I don't know. Um, when you've got this, like, grown man clutching at your feet and, and weeping mm. um but so talking about the um uh the preconception that that we're broken to, yeah, yeah you're broken and that's why you get into sex work let's also talk about the perception on clients who want to be um hit with a, a big stick, a stick <laughs> or fisted or yep clean your feet there's also this notion that they're broken in some way that there's something well, a bit incomplete about them yeah and it's always i remember in when i grew up it was always the the cynthia Payne thing and the politicians wearing suspenders under their three-piece suits and... which is true to a <laughs> point like cliches are a cliche for a reason a lot of the time and i could most certainly not that i ever would but i could most certainly ruin some careers in parliament um tempting at times with everything that's going on at the minute like you know what just drop a match on the petrol just drop a match um no i never would um but so so that is true because it's um like human sexuality is actually quite predictable a lot of the time and when someone like that especially again a man has power all the time it's exhausting i mean like boo fucking who running an investment bank that must be really terrible for you Stephen. um but you start to fetishize stress. Um, that's a lot of the time where fetishes come from. So it's, uh, it's trauma or confusion or just something unusual. And it starts to turn into a sexy thing. 
And also it's kind of meditative for them that they're just not in charge. Mm. And the whole sort of thing of, I don't give a fuck who you are. I don't care how many staff members you've got. I don't care how many millions in tax you're dodging right now. Like, <laughs> I'm still going to beat you up. And, and that's what they want is someone, and especially normally with women and with me being a gay man, that's an additional layer. Mm. Um, I do say as, as much as it's a bit heavy. Um, with those sorts of clients, what I'm trading off of a lot of the time is homophobia. Um, with women, it's misogyny. It's a subversion of gender roles. To be dominated by a woman right. means is exciting because she's weaker than you, you know? Right. And so right. that's the subversion. Uh. Female supremacy is upside down because that's not the order of things right that's where female domination comes from Uh and so being dominated by an androgynous gay man and literally i've got thousands of emails at this point throughout my career obviously and i have lost count of the amount of ones that say i normally see women but i really want to know what it's like to be humiliated by a gay man because what is the only thing lower than a woman a man who willingly sacrifices his masculinity, ergo, is gay. Um, I've never thought about it's it. Homophobia. Like that. That's what. It, and it, and and not violent, overt. I want to attack you or take away your rights. Homophobia, mm-hmm. but that like sedimentary rock level at the bottom of how you've been raised. That I am lower than you, and so it's exciting for me to be having a go at you and beating you up and taking power because really I don't have any power over you. Mm. That's what you're working on, which I find hilarious and is one of the reasons that I'm well lined up to do my job mm. because you've just paid me 300 quid to kick you in the nuts. I can't remember your name. <laughs> which one of us is in power here? Mm. Um, and th- those ones are normally that. They are the investment bankers who are 60 years old. It's maybe a generational, you know, th- th- those are very true. Even then, not losers to get to that amount of wealth and blah, blah, blah. You're not a loser. Mm. Um, But the thing about them, actually, which I like a lot, is that they they tend to really love their wives. People sort of say they they must be miserable. No. And that's one of the reasons that that someone would come to see a professional. It's not about a loser. They know that um, the joke is worrying that a sex worker is going to steal your husband is like worrying that a a playgroup teacher is going to steal your kid. (laughs) You know, like, we'll take great care of him while we've been paid to, and then you can have him back at the end of the day. I have no interest in stealing your husband at all. I've got my own. Right. Um, And so a lot of them love their wives, and they don't want, like I say, the match dropped on their life. Mm. They want to know that it's discreet. They're not going to be taking any disease home or anything. I'm not going to be telling anyone who they are or blah 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 so it could actually be a respect for their wife that they don't want their wife to humiliate yeah yeah because they or sometimes the wives don't want to Mm. you know um sometimes it is a sexuality thing that as much as they love their wives she's not a man and that could also be a compartmentalization thing of you know the whole madonna whore complex Mm. a woman can either be the madonna or she can be a whore and men Mm. tend to really struggle to see you as a three-dimensional human being Mm -hmm. And so that's in play a lot. Jerry Hall be a cook in the kitchen and yeah. a whore in the bedroom. Okay. I think that's in play a lot. Mm. And the reason that they might come and see a man is that that compartmentalises it away from their wife. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all sorts of reasons. Um, they can say, and it doesn't make me gay if they have a prejudice because... We don't have sex yeah. and blah, blah, blah. Exactly. So it makes this... Um, I think very, very generously safe space for them. Let's say mm. for a modest fee... Uh, they do get to sort of 
process a lot of their shit. Mm. I mean that lovingly, shit. You know, yeah. I, I'm not being dismissive. Um, but this is the thing they're not losers. A lot of them are smart, funny. They're not broken. I mean, some of them, some of them, obviously. But a lot of them are just normal fellas who who just want to try it or um, they're not getting it from it. I mean, if you have... Because the, the definition of, uh, of a fetish rather than a kink, um, and it's loose language and people debate about it a lot, but the definition of a fetish is that you cannot get off without it. Right. Whereas a kink is something that you like. So having your butt spanked during sex would be more of a kink. Mm-hmm. Not being able to have an orgasm or get an erection without being spanked would be considered a fetish. Right, okay. Um, and... Let's say that your fetish is being hit in the head with a rubber chicken that honks. How are you going to find that in a bar? How are you going to chat someone up and say, would you like to come back to my hotel room and hit me in the head with a rubber chicken? Mm. You might get laughed at. You might get rejected. You know, whereas you can come to someone like this, like me, and like I say, yeah, sure, how's Tuesday? That's fine. (laughs) And you get, get your kicks without any of that going on doesn't make you a loser or broken or whatever it just you have refined tastes and you require a refined individual to enact them how um i mean because you also educate yes so i guess one of the one of the skills that you must have with this job and also actually one thing i want to say is you've talked about reframing reframing trauma or reframing a negative event that happened Mm. in this particular space and that obviously comes with the responsibility of you. That's not guesswork. Mm-hmm. So what work, what sort of, what have you done? What qualifies you to be able to do that with somebody? Because if I'm thinking somebody had a childhood trauma, mm-hmm. I probably, my first port of call wouldn't be to say, oh, my friend Dominic can help you Exactly, yeah. Neither would mine. And this mm. is the thing, it sounds hypocritical. Um, I am, and I, and I do, when it comes to educating all sessions, I do occasionally tap out. And go, I am not the right person for you to go through this with. I am more than happy to, you know, do a schoolboy bullying scenario because you were actually bullied at school and you're, you know. That, to me, feels low level. Most of us got shit at school, Mm -hmm. you know. And so turning that into like a fun, let's say that's a reclaiming. um, But when it comes to, you know, I was sold as a child prostitute Mm -hmm. that say okay well maybe we could find someone to talk to about it together Mm -hmm. um but in terms of qualifications it makes me sound hypocritical but that there aren't any and there should be Mm -hmm. my industry is completely unregulated and i hate it Mm -hmm. um you know not just on the physical side of things um let's say catheters really easy to give someone an infection if you don't know what you're doing. Mm. Uh, even on an NHS ward, one in four catheterized patients get an infection. It's a really high risk thing. Mm. Typically, bladder infections don't lead to much. It's just unpleasant and you have your antibiotics, but still. Uh, I've had some colleagues, um, and I say that with air quotes, that when I've been talking about high-level disinfection, they've gone, what? And like, wait, you don't know what a high-level disinfectant is. You need it to, to ensure cell death. That's what makes it a mm. high-level and you have to make sure that anything that's been in contact with anything that can carry hepatitis is sterilised and cleaned with a high-level disinfectant to ensure the hepatitis dies. Mm. Um, and there are these people but people doing this job that don't know that. Right. And so, frankly, aside from being smart and being committed to my job, nothing qualifies me other than experience. Let's say being smart, being precocious about learning 
Um, Did you say that you had some nurse training? Or yeah, training yeah. Training a a colleague of mine's a nurse, and my mother-in-law is a nurse. Uh, I've done a lot of courses. You can pay. Mm-hmm. People don't realise this, but you can find, yeah, a bit like first aid courses. Like some of my colleagues aren't even first aiders, and you just like they the, the clients faint, they pass out. Mm. You know, I see pictures and videos on Twitter, and I, and I try really hard to avoid getting in fights on Twitter. Um, it's, uh, Twitter's my shop front. Our websites where we advertise keep getting shut down, uh, and so at the minute we're down to about two. One of them being Twitter, and that probably won't last for long either. Um, and they get shut down because because of bullshit, you know, because it's moral outrage right. and um, Backpage was one, and um, Backpage was amazing for advertising on. Mm. A lot of us were doing really well off of that, and it was cheap. It was twenty quid for a recur. It was a bit like Craigslist, just this recurring advert, but posted again once a day. Uh, and the first week that I put up a Backpage ad, Backpage ad cost me twenty quid. And I made about two grand in that week, which is a really bloody good week. Mm. Uh, You know, we are nowhere near as wealthy as people think we are. You've said this. There's this glorified, uh, glamorised perception of sex workers as just being rolling in cash. Some, I think it's like musicians, or some do manage to hit that, like, lightning in a bottle. Coldplay. (laughs) (laughs) If I could kick anyone in the nuts for free, I think it would be Chris Martin. Like, he... he, I I don't know. He's... You know those people... (laughs) That are probably perfectly nice people, but you just want to smack the, the face off their skull. He's one of those for me. Like, he's one, he drinks milk. You know what I mean? What's like you, you could just see him with his little little glass of milk and his cookie at the end. I just, those people are the worst. Um, and he doesn't, the thing about that is normally those sorts of people set off my, I bet you're disgusting in the best way in bed. No, I bet he's the sort of guy that asks permission to come. <laughs> just, you know, I think I'm going to arrive... Um, may I? No. No, get out. Leave the money on the dresser and get out of my house. Um, I know, I just think he's despicable. See, this is you seeing the Matrix. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I should have said Bon Jovi, shouldn't I? Why did there I say you go. He, oh, yeah, I, I can imagine him being very, uh, very into strap-ons or whatever. You jump on? Yeah, I can imagine is that. Is this what you can do? You can just see people on the TV and go, you did you know it. You, can, you, you do start still. to feel it off of people, yeah. Um, and not in, like, a flirty sort of way, but I don't know, like, a lot, a lot of me and my colleagues say you can smell submission on a man. Oh, explain immediately. There is something, especially when you're dressed in a certain way. Um, you know, my best friend, uh, Goddess Sophia, uh, her name is, uh, it's her work name. Uh, we, we are all aware of how <laughs> ridiculous goodness. our work names are. Um, but she's very Amazonian, she's very beautiful. Mm. Um, she used to be one of the fire-breathing ladies on stage with Motorhead. Um, oh God, that's amazing. And men instead of being all like, oi, oi, you know what I mean, will stand in front of her and, and, and their body language shrinks a bit. Oh. And they sort of do. And she's not being, like, her and I were friends for years before we realised that each other do the same job. Because really? it, Yeah, because it's just such a non-thing. Um, well, it's a non-thing and is there also a... Do you have a circle of trust? Like, you wouldn't maybe tell somebody the first time you met them, this no, is what I do. No, I do it as a, as a test a lot of the time because if you can't handle the mere fact of what I do, then you are not going to be able to get through a conversation with right. me. I say there's not much relay between my brain and my mouth. Um, and also, I don't want to be around people that are like, I think that's very immoral. Well, I think the same thing about that haircut, so I guess we've reached an impasse. <laughs> Barbara. <laughs> Barbara. Fucking Karen. Um, Karen in finance. That's a drag queen name, which I think is amazing. It's incredible, yeah. yeah. Um, 
but we mustn't get on to Drag Race. Um, Later. But no, what, oh God, there you go, the Drag Race things happened. Uh, what were we talking, we were saying... <laughs> we were talking about Goddess Sophia and about being it. able to smell submission on him. And you can just, you can smell it, you can see it. I think they can smell it too. Um, the other way around. Like, I very rarely get chatted up by a very sort of bossy, strong, you know, it's always... I mean, my husband is not a slave, but he's he's very soft and he's very quiet. Um, but yeah, certain men, their body language, the way that they don't tend to look at you, they don't do the man-spreading leg, leg open thing, they tend to be a bit more like you can... Right. Make, matrix code, you can see it and smell it. Yeah. That this guy would really quite like to get at my toes. <laughs> the micro-body language. Yeah. All of the little things. The that... deferential sort of... And also I think anyone who approaches someone that looks like that, because again, I think Matrix Code, if you know what you're looking for, you can spot mm. one of us really easily. Mm. Um, and you know that whole sort of thing where someone obviously looks like a makeup artist. You're like, I bet you they work in beauty or something. Mm. Um you know, when you're on the bus and like, I, I bet you she works at Pat McGrath or something. <laughs> yeah. You can tend to spot someone She's like us. Oh God, I, I want all of it. We'll, we'll get on to we'll that get as that. well. <laughs> but, what I, but I think what is probably a good idea to just reference, because we've mentioned him a couple of times now, is reference the fact that you are married. Because yeah. that might be confusing for some people listening. And I will be really honest. When you, you said on message Husband. the other day, I was like, oh. And then I had to... I had to smack myself metaphorically yeah. and just say, Emma, you absolute ignoramus. People... You're Dominus, I'm ignoramus. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're working on it. Mm. Um, no, people do, which I under—I understand that monogamy and ownership of a person is another one of those like sedentary rock mm. things that we're brought up with. Um, and it it's a complicated thing, like... To him, I'm not Dominic, obviously. Um, I'm just his husband. You know, he's one of the, the remaining few people on the planet that calls me the name that's on my birth certificate, uh, which is not Dominic. Um, people say, oh, that's a really inter- interesting case of nominative informism. Like, yes, my name is Dominic Masters. Absolutely. Can you not maybe figure out what's <laughs> going on there a bit? Um, I'm so stupid, I genuinely think your you? name was Dominic. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm catnip for stalkers. Um, it's a real thing not not to make it dark again but the reason we have there's a tweet that's going viral at the minute about stripper names one of those things about what's your stripper name and like the reason we have names is so that we're not stalked, doxxed, murdered and killed Mm. Um, I've had people show up at my house at six in the morning banging on the door going I know you're in there yeah how have you found my address? So that's the thing, and we've sort of talked about it with safety issues of the fact that you can't work in pairs or threes mm-hmm. because then you are breaking the law. Mm-hmm. So it means that you have to work alone, which makes you... Vulnerable. Very vulnerable. I mean, very. I mean, look, let's just be really real about this. It is a very rare circumstance for me to, A, come into a dungeon <laughs> with somebody I've never met yeah. before and not feel a little bit skittish. Yeah. Um... Yeah, and that's the thing. I'm sure the client feels just as skittish <laughs> as I do. It's not being funny, when you come in like, through there, yeah. There's harnesses. There's the wall of dildos. Yeah. There's all sorts of cages and baseball yeah. bats, things. And it, it must be really intimidating for the client. And it can be for for us, mm. you know. Of like, I am alone in this room, and 
the imbalance there is they know exactly who we are. Mm. Our face is out there. You know, I particularly, I've been lucky enough with, with media like we're doing now. So if you Google me, I'm, I'm the first, like, six pages that, that pops up. Mm. So they're pretty sure that they're going to get a safe, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know who you are. Um, you know, they take off the wedding ring. They use different names. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, the the imbalance there is is in their favour a lot of the time, and, and unfortunately, the occasional bad apple knows it. They right. know that you have to be alone. And if you can see the matrix about people's desire and the unsaid desire, can you see the matrix? And if someone walks into this space, are you at a place where you can say, "Nope, I'm afraid that the dungeon's closed." Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, well, this isn't open. They have to book. Right. Someone can't walk in. They used to be able sure. to in Soho. Not a walk-in. So yeah. We'll get back to Soho. But just, if you meet somebody... Very. And you get that... Yeah. Do you, do you have to Wanker trust? radar. Yeah. Um, well, 15 years I've been doing, doing this now. Um, and I've... It's one of the things, again, that lined up well for sex work with me that serves me well. We will get back to my husband, I promise. Mm. Um, it's one of the things that serves me well is I'm very sort of paranoid and suspicious about people. Unfortunately, being um, a sort of non-binary and obviously since childhood, um, me, Mm. I've been shown a lot of the worst examples of human behaviour. And so I I have unfortunately learned to expect that as a default. Right. And so then when you put in sex work on top of that, I, I, I have had a couple, and literally only a couple, so again, I've been very, very lucky of, of really nasty experiences where I've had to like brandish a stun gun at a client or whatever to like get out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but that sort of suspiciousness about people and the fact that I am unfortunately consistently proven right that people suck um, makes me on, on, not defensive, but, but very aware of don't trust anyone until they've proven... Do you know what I mean? Like, don't hand that out. Trust is something, you know... Guilty that, until proven innocent. Yeah. Um, and you have to be in a line of work, like I was saying earlier, where, you know, another dead hooker washing up on a river is going to be yesterday's news. We have to just fend for ourselves. Mm. We have to look after each other. Um, there are charities. There's Ugly Mugs, which are incredible, which is a charity for sex workers, and they will send out alerts that this has happened to this worker. 
But again, with the law, if you'll permit me just a, just a small round, you know they can't give us their full mobile number. They have to star out some of the mobile, some of the numbers. So you'll get a text or an email from Ugly Mugs mm. saying that someone has just been beaten unconscious, raped and robbed today, which probably means that the person is on meth or crack or whatever, and they're probably going to do it again. Mm. Um, the number starts with this, and then there are three digits missing off. They legally cannot give us the number of someone that has just raped, beaten, sometimes murdered a sex worker because of data protection or whatever. And doesn't I know that it's all complicated, but doesn't that feel so wrong that even a charity designed to protect us cannot give us the number so that you can save it in your phone and if the phone rings, it will come up with ugly mug, which means, no, this person's been reported. How am I supposed to know that? And again, for me as a privileged worker, I, I can afford a lot of the time to not take a booking mm. if the number half matches like okay I'm not going to risk it but if I'm a mother with a heroin addiction and I'm starting to get sick and I don't know if I'm going to be able to feed the kid tomorrow what are you going to do? Take the risk? Yeah you're going to take the risk it, it's so backwards isn't it? This has just made me think about something else and you're absolutely right and it, it's wrong and obviously things must change and I'm guessing that we can talk about the progress that's being made there mm. in a minute but there is something I wanted to ask you about that just came to mind when you were mentioning that uh, because it's something that actually comes up in lots of conversations because I've had uh, business owners on this podcast and we've talked about starting your own business and maybe turning your side hustle into a, a business. Um, and one of the things that comes up time and time again is how do I value myself? What do I charge? Yeah. What, I mean... I, I, I <laughs> it's mean, on my website, you can ask. No, no, um, but not, not necessarily the numbers. But for example, for me, uh, when I started out as a freelancer, it was mainly writing. Yeah. So I like I had a per word rate or um, yeah. a, a, fe- a feature rate or if I had a, if I was asked to do consultancy I had a half day consultancy yeah. rate and that's really simple. But what yeah. what's how do you rate yourself when you're talking about something like sex work? That's the thing. Um, sorry, I squeaked when I moved in my chair. Um, there's normally sort of an industry standard that's happening at the time, and so you just look at someone else's website, right. look at someone else's, and go. Okay. Mm. Um, one of the reasons that, that it's a three-figure sum, um, which always makes me laugh when people go, you make how much money? An hour? I'm like, yeah, an hour, but I'm not nine to five. Yeah. You know, I might get a week where I have 20 sessions, so yeah, great money. I might have a month where I get none, where it just goes completely dead. It's the nature of being self-employed. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, feast or famine, you know. Mm. Um, and so that's where the higher price comes from you know, is we're not working all the time, uh, as in people in, in my specific job. Um, also, I think it's necessity, um, you know, 20 quid is better than no quid if you're that mother in that situation. Mm. Whereas someone like me who's sat in my, you know, ivory tower in, in Holloway Road, I'm not getting out of bed for less than 150. Mm. Um, so I think it's on that scale of, unfortunately how much do you need the money how quickly what's your volume of work Mm. you know I would probably charge less if I could reliably have three bookings a day you know what I mean because then you're more likely to get more bookings if let's if it's say 80 pounds an hour um but again people don't like to charge that because it makes you look like a quote-unquote cheap whore and so that's what I mean it's so multi-layered yeah and so you the pricing certainly for me and, and, and for, for other professional dominance, I think comes out of the, the branding, mm. if that makes sense. 
and it's the same for escorts, if you're a quote-unquote elite, I hate that word, uh, quote-unquote elite, um, blah, 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 then you can charge, you know, £800 an hour. Mm. If you're, you know, if you're gorgeous, big boob, blonde, skinny, you know what I mean? If you mm. fit all of the, the things that we're told is attractive, charge accordingly. Mm. If you don't, which is ridiculous, you know, if you're a curvier woman or a woman of colour especially, which I hate, uh, I don't see as many elite women of colour escorts as I do skinny blonde mm. white women. Um, then I also think part of it comes from self-value. Because you're selling yourself, you know what I mean? There's more transparency, sorry, there's more transparency in this kind of transactional world about what real prejudices are. Yeah. Than in like... Yeah. Um, I actually sometimes avoid sex worker lunches or whatever, because all of the conversation is like this the whole time and afterwards you're like, I need to go and lie down. (laughs) Like, this is heavy. Um, But there's a lot of, you know, in... In circles, um, and I know that there's going to be some people that bleed, you know, bloody snowflakes. Um, you content warm before you talk about something. Mm. And so if you had a client that pushed you around earlier, you content warm and you say, you know, I'm about to talk about blah, mm. blah, blah. Anybody that, that doesn't want to have that conversation right now, you can you can nip to the kitchen and put the kettle mm. on. Mm. And there's a lot of talk about, you know, body positivity and... Um, and sort of supporting each other, and, and people will text and go, you know, this client has just gotten in touch, he's really lovely, I've got bacterial vaginosis right now, I can't do it. Mm. Does anyone else want him? And I don't know many other industries where a regular source of income you would happily pass on to someone else because you know that they need the money too. Mm. Again, whether it's out of necessity or chronic health problem, you know what I mean? If someone's have been saying on a chat group or whatever that they've been having a really bad flare-up, of whatever this week and you can't see a client like ah well I'll pass them to that person because mm. they were just saying the other day um, they, they need the money yeah. they could really do with the booking I've, I've not so yeah I think there's much more transparency and with, with the, the good customers as well the good clients they get it I meant transparency about sorry uh, more specifically about us all being very politically correct at the moment yes and yet it sounds like in your line of work clients needs and wants aren't politically correct so when you're no. saying that so that's what i meant sorry just, i went off on a no no, no which is completely valid and fine but it was just that um realizing that we think that we're making progress but then mm. when you come to an industry like this you realize that maybe mm-hmm. people's um what do you call it sedentary prejudice sedentary rock yeah yeah still it's still there really quite in- it's still there yeah, yeah. um yeah, no, I get what you mean now, sorry. Mm. Um, yes, let's say the, some of the things that they say, you know, the, the female dominatrices, some of them specialise in what's called uh, sissification, which is, you know, dressing a man up in his frilly knickers and, you know, and a lot of sissies are very sweet and very funny. Mm. Um, but I did a duo, uh, a double session, a while ago. And uh, the mistress that I was working with said I really don't like sissies and this is a sissy session and I'm like oh why we, we all have tastes you know mm. we all have personal tastes and, and it's a bit of a grey area that it's work and so we're not always loving it you know there are times when you just Game say uh, yeah it's not really my thing but mm. whatever and I said why and she like, because it's misogyny and like okay I don't, I don't get it and this was a blanket statement from her I can't really speak to it too much um, but she went what I'm going to do is I'm going to say right, I've got you trussed up like a woman now. And he will go, 
yes or whatever and then I will say and how should a woman be treated and wait for what comes out of his mouth and she did and she went and how should a woman be treated and he went like a fucking slut oh uh huh and there in the frilly knickers giggling and going and that's part of his fantasy and his role play but it's a bit like um do you think this of women that this is what being a woman is it's being a fucking slut and you know and a lot of the time they want to hoover and, and they want to, you know, suck a dick and all this sort of stuff. And you sort of think, buddy, I don't know. I'm not in your head. Mm. Is this a, a fetishized caricature? Or is this maybe a manifestation of how you feel about women? Mm. So, yes, the transparency, you get hit with it a lot. You know, I had a client um, last year on a, a much less political thing that sent me an email saying the session was incredible. You really are very, very good at what you do, blah, blah, blah. But unless you lose 50 pounds rapidly, I'm not going to book you again. Wow. Yeah. And I, I, I went nuclear. Um, <laughs> you know, as I'm sure you can imagine. What does nuclear look like on you? It's not good. <laughs> no, I and it's really rare. I'm actually very patient with that because I, I'm very good at knowing that someone else is... You know, it's a RuPaul quote. Uh, someone, what someone else is thinks of you as none of your damn business mm. and I've always been like that you know again my mum always remarked on how weird it was raising a kid that didn't care what other people thought of them mm. um you know to say you know do you really want to wear that on free dress day because they're gonna laugh at you and yes I do want to wear it I look amazing all, yeah. yeah um but I, I went off at him not because it hurt my feelings I mean I, I'm six foot one and 13 stone quite where I'm supposed to lose 50 pounds from is beyond me no. um but I went off at him about the fact that insulting my uh, complimenting my skill which I know about I don't need you to tell me mm. that I'm good at my job I know I'm good at my job mm. I don't need this little old white guy you know what I mean to tell me I, I don't need that from you that's a completely mm. invalid compliment mm -hmm. but also to give me that compliment as a way of then seeking into insulting my appearance mm. and dangling a carrot of more income if I comply and lose the weight, because he, he booked a, a quite a long session, and so if that turns into a weekly regular, that's your rent paid, right. you know. Fuck you, little man. Like, I don't quite like, you know, sitting on a tubby old, you know, balding 50-year-old who goes to the theatre space, but I, I managed to not tell you that. Mm. I mean, I did not manage to keep that to myself in my reply. Mm. Um, but... Do you think he... Do you think... Is that something that happens after a session sometimes, where the, someone's enjoyed it so much that they need to take the power back, and so yes. passive-aggressively exciting yep. you as him? Yep. Yeah. And they um, they will make it your fault mm -hmm. if they don't like it. I had a guy a year ago, that, that was the one that I had to blast a stun gun at, oh. um, who wanted to be spanked. And, and it's something that, again, we all know, and it's it's a asshole radar dinger, is they'll say, I'm normally Dom. Like, no, you're not. No, you're not. You're saying that so that I feel challenged mm. and that I have to, uh, that I have an equal in the room and, and that I have to prove that I'm the dommiest dom, dom, dom. <laughs> you, you know, that, that that's what it is. Dominus. Exactly. <laughs> With my little <laughs> choir behind me. Um, celestial ray of moonlight. I'd quite like that. That sounds good. <laughs> no. Um but no, that that's what they're doing, is mm. they're setting up, or they say, you know, I've seen masters all over the world for 20 years, and it's, it is, it's it's that power thing of of they're trying to set you on the back foot right. and make sure that you're 
uncomfortable almost. Mm. Uh, and you'll get ones who... How do you neutralise that? I'm very, very good at body language, calm, because what they want is a rise out of you. And okay, so this actually applies to, re- to, in inverted commas, real life. I think yeah. we all deal with this every day. Yeah. We all deal with arseholes. Yeah. How do you neutralise? Indifference is worse than hate. Mm. If you are just so nonplussed by it, just so nonplussed and still engaged mm. and, and still what people like that want a lot of the time is to rattle you. Um, and I, I speak to a lot of women in, in the educating side of things and, and they say that this is in a, a transferable, which is what you've just done. You've, you've just grabbed that. Mm. Because as a woman, you get the gaslighting, you're being hysterical, you're being emotional. No, I'm not. Mm. No, I'm not. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. We could just as well be talking about the weather as we that's how I keep it mm. like that is I will not give you what you want I know what you're doing I know that you expect me to be snappy you expect me to be defensive you expect me to be less educated than you mm. or whatever um, and so open palms you know you sort of sit sit like this it's an honest sort of mm-hmm. thing no folding of arms uh, maintaining eye contact the whole time and a bit of a smile like I'm doing now even if they're saying something really awful to you and you're like oh well, that's lovely mm-hmm. um a lot of the time, there's just this complete disarm because, oh, it's not working. Mm. It's just not working. You know, so I, I normally see Master blah, 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 and like, oh, do you? How is he? I haven't spoken to him recently. Right. You know, just instead of being, what? You know, well, well, you're here with the dommiest dom now. You know, like, I'm, I'm not entering into that with you, buddy. I'm so not doing it. They're trying to serve you an ace. And yeah. instead of running for the ball, you're just standing on the baseline going, great. Smoking a cigarette. Great. Going, this is lovely. Great. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. Um, and... Do you think, outside of sex work, just in, in the world in general, that uh, the, this idea of dominance or having one up or being mm. better, than, better than other people mm-hmm. is perhaps a little bit more in our the tapestry of, like, yes. day-to-day... And it's ironically something that this job has whacked out of me. Meaning? I don't want to be better, and I'm not better than anyone else. Mm. And I get that, I think being competitive and being dominant are different things. And yes. it can get, but you you know the, those situations where you are obviously locked into some sort of one-upman who can be top dog. I'm thinking about social media, specifically Twitter, mm. with people pointing out other people's tweets and saying, look at this person who has done this wrong thing, mm-hmm. and they are wrong for this reason. Mm-hmm. Hurrah, look at how woke I am. Yeah, look at me, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. performative. I find it so... Cancel culture, I think, I know that, probably shouldn't say it, because I, I can't figure out what she's done so wrong, but Jamila Jamil, there you go. Mm. Um, people on, like, the very, very left, which I am, mm. um, but I see a lot of people, again, a lot of people of colour and, and a lot of women of colour, and so I have to listen. I don't understand mm. why you feel this way about her, and I'm never going to if she said something. Mm-hmm. But but I, So I'm not challenging that at all, but I do look at the alleged offensive tweet or whatever, and I, I do look at it and think, well, I guess I'm just not seeing it. I mm. guess it's going over my head, but I don't understand what, what's... I, I saw one tweet a while ago, Jamila Jamila is dangerous. I'm like, is she? I mean, literally, that's open issue. Um, but yes, I think where she's been very successful, blah, 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 and she's trying, and she apologises a lot, because mm. we all get it really wrong, and I think as any sort of minority or whatever, all you want is when someone gets it wrong, is for them to listen. So she's trying to listen, you know, when someone uses the wrong word about me being gay, or 
uh, about my work or whatever, and I go, actually, no, that's not, I don't like that word, please don't mm-hmm. use it. Mm-hmm. All you want from them is, oh, okay, sorry. And she seems to do that, but there's still that braying dominance, and maybe mm. it's knocking someone who's successful down, not on, on anywhere near the same level, but I get it with young, up-and-coming masters. They love taking a swipe at me, um, which is hilarious because, you know, you're welcome in my pond, <laughs> but remember who built it. Is it like um, Naomi Malone and Gina Gachon from Showgirls? There's always someone younger and hungrier coming down the stairs after you. Yes. Right. Um, but I, I have, at the minute anyway, I've got the Miranda Priestley thing of <laughs> no, no one can do what I do. Right. And I say, you're welcome in the pond. I built it. Um, you know, when I started, I was, there was one other who I'm uh, friends with. One other who was incredibly different to me. Uh, male. There were lots of kinky gay escorts mm. who were these like gorgeous, big, buff, salmon-sized penis. You know, they'll smack you around and... Well, they are. <laughs> you look at them and think, Jesus, how does the man stand up? Um, but... There wasn't essentially a dominatrix that was made. I'm going to cancel my poached salmon. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know the ones where if they swung it... Um, no, Dominic, they'd knock you I don't. Over. Well, I'll show you Harold. Uh, yeah, I'll show you Harold later. Um, but there wasn't. And, and I sort of thought, okay, that's, I'm not an idiot. That's for one of two reasons. Either there is no fucking market... And other people have tried it and failed. Or nobody has seen... And I could just see that there is this gap mm. here. Um, and for the first sort of six, six, seven years of my career, there weren't any more either. Mm. Um, and this is going back to when you said you started in Soho when yeah. you were <coughs> 18. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I got asked to teach at Coco de Mer when I was 20, 22, I think I was. What does, so you're working as a... Dom at this point, yeah. and you're asked to teach. And so yeah. what specifically are you asked to educate people on? BDSM, mm-hmm. but then I made a joke about I also give a cracking blowjob mm-hmm. just to try and make rapport, you know. And me not being business savvy on this front and, you know, didn't realise that that's fucking genius. Uh, having a gay guy who, who's a sex worker talk to women about blowjobs. Mm-hmm. So, of course, they went, that one. Um, and that's been going for, what, eight years now? So eight, nine years. do you give a course in how to give a blowjob? Yeah. Um, yeah, Coco de Mer, which is a, a luxury boutique, uh, erotic boutique. It, it's a fancy sex shop. They're probably <laughs> going to kill me for saying that. But, like, uh, Dita Montes works with them sometimes. Mm. And um, a really, really beautiful shop. And so the classes are held there. And it's, you know, Prosecco and Nibbles and... Um, and at the time, being I think about 21, 22, um, I sort of looked at the money that they wanted to offer me and went, yeah, that'll do. There's not much that I won't do uh, for money. And so, okay. <laughs> and I, I was really nervous. I was thrown in at the deep end. I'd never spoken publicly before. And I just opened my gob and off I went. Um, and yeah, there's, there's like a waiting list for it still. Um, yeah. Is it one course? Is it one yeah, lesson? Yeah, just one, two hour, yeah. Um, 
And so off of that, I started getting... I'm sorry, I'm going to need to know a little bit more about the course. And okay. how, do, you, do you give a certificate at the end? How no. Do, how do people... <laughs> um, how do you know that... How, is there a test? How do people know that they've acquired there, the skill? There is a bit with an ice lolly, um, but that's mainly because I'm a troll. And I, I can't help but make people do stupid things. Um, I do it with work all the time. You know, I make slaves balance on one foot uh, with a drink on their head. Um, but also it's a two-hour two class. And so you need to get up and get moving at some point. Is, but, a, is a bigger part of it... I'm sorry, no, I'm okay. interrupting you now and I'm really sorry. No, but is a big part of that course not actually teaching? Is it getting people into a space where they feel comfortable? Yes. Um, it's actually almost sort of an anti-climax in a way because, and I mean it with all the love in the world, it's just a blowjob, Karen. You know what I mean? It's just a blowjob. Um, and a lot of a lot of people have never had someone that they're actually giving a blowjob to talk them through it, tell them what feels good. Men mm. tend to not be great at it. And, and even then when we talk about sex, we tend to go, yeah, like that, right there. Yeah. Keep going. We don't say, please lick my left testicle counterclockwise. Right. Um, and so a lot of them, by the end of it, are a bit like, is that it? Like, yeah. And a lot of them have it in their head that they're terrible at it, they're shit, and they're like, but that's mm. kind of what I've been doing. Thanks for the other ideas about where to put him and mm. how to sit and what lube to use and blah, blah, blah. But, like, that's kind of what I've already been doing. Like, yeah, see, it's just a blowjob. Mm. And getting that from a man, um, for a lot of them, so it makes them go, ding, I got it. Right. Um... So it's, it's not rocket science. There's only so much that you can actually do do with mm-hmm. it. Um, and I, I don't like complicated, uh, ridiculous Cosmo tips about, you know, dot to dot, touch this, do that, wibble that. It's all about only giving a blowjob when you want to mm-hmm. is rule number one. And so if that's once a year, that's it. Mm-hmm. If his dick is in your mouth at any point in his life then he is luckier than he deserves to be. And so you only ever do it when you want to do it. Any time that he's flapping it around in your face, bite it. (laughs) And this whole... Bite that swinging salmon. Um, What's what we do with salmon? We eat them. Um, That was a misfire. We spoke earlier about misfires in sessions. Um, You have to talk the whole way through. They really like sort of a running running commentary. So silence isn't great for... No, unless they specifically say, I don't want any verbal. Right. It's something that I had to learn to do is Keep it, it's just things sort of like, so I'm going to move you over here. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you just sort of keep it going. And there was one guy that said that he wanted really threatening and it was four hours and me being naughty, you know, I, I get not bored, but I get like itchy and I, I want to do something else. Fidgety. And when you're doing it a lot like me and, and Sophia, set challenges to each other about like okay so your sentence in this session to try and wiggle in somewhere is this or alliteration and you have to try and make a sentence with as many words as that but without getting that look from the client when he goes what what are you doing um like mine was magnificent majestic member i managed to get that in side note when i used to do tv i my friend's kid they'd be like say butterfly when you're on tv and i know you're thinking of me is it like that yes um (laughs) and this one he said that he wanted a lot of really harsh and I saw, you know, Bianca Del Rio's thing, Rolodex of Hate. Who's been on this podcast? Yeah. Um, I sort of have that with work. I've got this Rolodex of stuff that you just keep lobbing out. And I got through the, the Rolodex. I didn't pace myself. And so I was a bit like, oh, fuck, I'm going to have to start improving, which Can is fine. Get, because we've already stated that this is not suitable for work and this is not suitable for, like, 
uh, the school run. What's some, could you just pluck out something colourful from your Rolodex of hate, please? Um, you're a bit of a piece of shit, aren't you? <laughs> no. Um, and they'll go, yes, yes, Yeah, sorry, this is not goodwill. I'm joking. Um, <laughs> no, but you'll say, like, um, see, it just naturally, I'm mm, just naturally... Hateful. Yeah. yeah. Um, but actually really not, you no, know. No. Um, but no, for, so for a school bully session, uh, and this was the formula that got me in trouble with the baby seal, we'll get there. Right. Um, <laughs> you're a bit of a piece of shit, aren't you? And he'll go, yes, sir. And I'm like, would well, you know what happens to pieces of shit? And I'm like, no, sir. And I'm like, they get flushed! And you, you hold the head down the toilet. And it's, it's things like that that I start coming... And so I use that formula. Mm. Um, it's why it sprung to mind. And whacking him, and, and he was making this, like, sort of noise. And so what came to, to mind was a, a baby seal, because he was uh, tied oh, up. And so he was sort of wiggling around <laughs> on the floor, tied up, making this noise while I was whacking him. Um, and... And like, do you know what you sound like? Like, what sound like a baby seal? Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know what happens to baby seals? Like, I don't know, like, they get clubbed! Mm-hmm. Um, and he immediately safe-worded. And it turned out that he was, like, a very, Greek very piece. staunch vegan. Yeah. Uh-huh. And like, oh, fuck, I, I balls that one. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> you do, you run out of things. Mm. Um, sometimes. And... You know, sometimes they, they dictate what language you can and can't use, which then cuts out a big section of the Rolodex. Mm. You know, if you can't use um, remarks on their appearance or their age uh, or whatever, which is totally fine, mm. that then little segments keep getting taken away until you're left with sometimes bare bones of the Rolodex. And, ah, shit, I'm going to have to improv. And normally I'm really good at it, but every so often like that, my um, acerbic sense of humour, right. it gets referred to as sort of gets me into trouble a bit. Um, and, and that's always a weird day at work when you're being chastised by this guy wrapped up in cling film, like cutting him out of the cling film going, yeah, really sorry. Uh, I didn't, didn't really pitch that one quite right. Did I? Uh, and do, and are you able to just say that was a misfire? Yeah. Um, you very happy to continue the session. I apologize. That will never happen again. Or is it a complete, yep. like that session? It's up to over. them. Um, as long as, and it, not that I'm the gatekeeper of what someone thinks, but as long as, their safe wording and their being cross is um, valid, if mm. that makes sense. Because some of them, that, that was what we uh, got knocked off of earlier. Some of them will snap at you and take their, I call it the brain crunch. Right. Every so often in a session, some, some the gear crunch happens in, right, in the yeah. brain and just, nope, you, you know, and they're done and they're out. Is that because they've surrendered to it? Sorry, they they know that it this is going them to wrong. happen. I don't know. And then they just go not feeling it yeah or something strikes them sometimes literally in the wrong way um so a lot of the time it happens when they refuse to understand the simple truth that no matter how good i am at my job it is never going to be like it is in your head Oh, it's never going to be like it you know a lot of people for example i'll open the door and despite the fact that my stats are listed on my website and everything they'll look up at me and go oh, I wasn't expecting you to be so tall right. because of my face they think yeah. that I'm going to be this little pixie you know and then my voice people think that I'm going to be very high pitched and I open it and lurch comes out <laughs> and and so now automatically that's two things that were not how it was in your head and so defences begin to go up and disappointment you know what I mean it's my fault that you didn't read that I'm six foot one yeah you know can I ask you I'm curious what 
how you feel about pornography. So we've had a quick loo break. Had a quick loo break. Everyone's, everyone's in a good place. So we, but we, we broke off on porn mm. because I have had conversations with friends who feel very negatively about porn mm-hmm. and feel that it sets up women for very unrealistic yeah. grooming standards mm. from one thing as well as uh, bedroom abilities. Mm-hmm. Where, Given that this is your line of work, not mm-hmm. porn, but or, or oh, your I, line I, I of work is represented porn. in... I do my own BDSM clips okay. and everything, so technically, yeah. Okay. Um, sorry, I cut off. What was that? In it, but I was saying your work is represented via in in times via porn. Yep. So how do you feel about it? Do you think it's... for the average Joe, if I'm like, oh, I want to, I want to find out a bit more about BDSM or what it's mm-hmm. like to do this, is going to a porn site? I'm really normally I'm. Like, gut reaction, this is what I think about something done. Um, and I'm really conflicted about porn. Because it can be really useful and a gateway for a lot of people into discovering more about themselves. And, you know, a lot of fetishes or whatever started with people looking up foot porn or mm. whatever. And then the joy that that can bring, which I know because I see it in my work, when it then graduates onto finding someone else who's into it or finding a worker who, mm. you know... But on the education side, talking to women and especially doing a blowjob class, deep throat is the one, you know, deep throating gets me uh, a lot. I teach women how to fake it (laughs) in my class, which I kind of hate having to do Mm. because you should be able to just say to your partner, I do not want a penis in my lungs, you know? Mm. But it is things like that are now so ingrained and, you know, the youngest age uh, that a young man in this country is first exposed to pornography a study showed was 11 years old Yikes. and i don't i know it's a very controversial thing to say and hear me out i don't think there is anything wrong with a child necessarily seeing sex a child of that sort of pu- pubescent age right because it's everyone has not my baby syndrome it's happening right you, you know kids are sexual much earlier than we give them than we allow ourselves to think about. Okay. I don't want, I'm not saying I want 11 year olds to watch hardcore porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like seeing a boob or whatever is not going, oh, and it shouldn't be framed as a damaging thing to a kid because mm. he's probably already a bit interested in boobs. You know, right. it's, it's already coming. And that was one of the things again that led me into my work. So my mum was always very open about that. She'd mm. always say, darling, it's totally happy to touch yourself, uh, totally fine to touch yourself, but maybe not in the lounge. <laughs> maybe you could do it in the bedroom. You know what I mean? But I was never like walloped and told no. Mm. Um, which meant that I could ask questions and blah, blah, blah. A lot of young men and a lot of young women aren't in a situation where they can ask questions and that burgeoning curiosity means that they get on the phone or they get on the laptop and they find mm. porn. Um, you can't have a conversation with an 11-year-old about it, but I was saying to you earlier, the, the link that's missing there, again, links, it goes back to sex work. We don't credit the fact that those people are at work. Mm. And so these acts, the deep throating, the double anal, mm. the come on the face, these people are at work. But because it's not seen as a valid, you know, people go, well, what skill does it take to lie on your back and get filmed? And like, those shoots last eight and a half hours a lot of the time. Could you get railed by not one salmon penis, but four <laughs> for eight hours straight without your vagina catching fire? Because for most people, I mean, I wouldn't be able to, and I mm. have absurd stamina. Um, and what well, you imagine what it must take for me to get off with, with what I do for a living? That's another podcast. Um, yeah, 
Uh, I don't want to get put on any register. I'm joking. That was a really bad joke. Um, you can get uh, put on a register of having a wee in a park. I learned that recently. If you get caught having a wee near a kid's park, you can get put on a register for it. I'm just having a wee. Do you know, I only found this out when I was at a friend's kid's sports day. Yeah? And they were out on like the far field watching the long jump or something. And one of the dads said, oh God, I'm dying for a pee. And it was too far to walk to the school. and was going to go behind a tree. And everyone was like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, so that was the registered joke. Mm. Um, but if, and, and this is, I know it's very controversial, but even for me, the first time in a dungeon that I was running years ago that I saw porn being filmed, even for me, having been in my own sort of clips and everything, seeing commercial porn that you are likely to find on Pornhub or whatever, mm. filmed the first time was, was a big curtain back moment. Because uh, I'd been, uh, the director sorry, sent me a text. I didn't mean to laugh. It was it's the fine. use of the word curtain. I'm so sorry. <laughs> What's funny about curtain? Curtain back, pause. Uh, okay, okay, yeah, sorry. yeah. Um, you're welcome. Um, no, for for that, I got a text from the director saying, uh, "Can we have another extension, Lee, please?" Um, and so I went up and I, and I knocked on the room that they were filming in with with the extension lead, uh, and. They were still filming. He wanted to plug in like a different light for the next mm. shot or whatever. And so like quietly, you know, went like this. And she's doing the, ha, ha, you know, and this guy's like really going for it and he's sweating and he's going, oh yeah. Um, and I went, oh, she's having quite quite a nice day. I'm a little bit jealous. And then he went, cut. And he immediately pulled out. She rolled over, stopped moaning, got on her phone. And he went and stood in the corner and carried on like fluffing himself to stay hard for the next shot. And that was the curtain back moment, is the second he went cut, the guy knew to pull out mm. that she would not want him in there anymore. Right. Um, you know, because I'm busy. If he says cut, that means I can answer a few emails. Right, right. And that's what she did. She got on her phone and, and started answering emails and everything. He went and, and was on the phone as well and keeping himself hard. And like, oh, they don't even sit next. And I'm not saying that's the same for every porn shoot, but they didn't even stay. They didn't even talk. Mm. They just stopped. Um... And I think that every sort of over-roundy 14-year-old boy that's starting to think that every woman wants their face come on or deep throating or whatever should be given the curtain back experience. I see. So it's giving people the false reality of that could happen in a consensual sexual mm-hmm. experience when actually that is orchestrated. Completely. It's, yeah. it's literally choreographed. Mm. There is a script. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Let's say you're giving someone a fantasy, but that's what we need. That's the missing link, is we need to be teaching people mm. that this these people are at work, this is a fantasy, this is choreographed. Enjoy your fantasies, explore your fantasies, but don't expect poor Karen to take <laughs> on the four salmon penises just because someone whose literal job it is mm. also did it. That's the missing, and this, we're not talking to, to kids about it and saying, so you're going to start seeing this shit. You're going right. to start seeing yeah. it. This is not real. This is not what real sex, quote unquote, looks like. Mm. Yes, it's real in terms of the body parts are doing the thing. Right. And if you do find a partner and you want to have sex like that, that's the flip side, which is where conversation comes in, that's fine. If you want to take on the four salmons, you do it. You know, you do it. But don't because you think that you should. Yeah. You know? That's my whole thing on porn. It's, it's a complicated thing. It's never going to go away. There are literally cave paintings with boobs on them. Mm. Um... Wasn't it like the, the third photograph ever taken was of a topless woman? I've got no idea. And but so, it sounds plausible. Completely, yeah. Mm. The second that, like, oh, we can document boobs. <laughs> we must now document the boobs. Yeah. 
Um, see, I love men. They're hilarious on this sort of front. They're so predictable. Mm. I think if I was uh, if I was a woman, I'd rule the world at this point. Uh, the, the power of the boob. So my, my sister, my mum, uh, my colleagues, you know, men are idiots. And that's why I was a stripper for a brief time, and I love that as well. Because, like, buddy, I am not coming home with you. There is no way I'm coming home with you. Like, give me fucking money. And then once I've got the money, I'm going over there now. Mm. And I just think that's adorable in a way and, and, and so much fun to manipulate at times. That the second that, uh, that you get the blood rushed out of their brain and into their groins, they're putty. That's me talking like a dominator. There you go. Like, there it is. It's coming through now. Um, <laughs> so one, one thing that I do want listeners to get out of this conversation, because I do think it's... We've, we've, we've covered a lot of ground in terms of the safety, in terms of how you get into it, etc. Have a little shuffle on that sofa. There you go. Um, I'm curious... What I would be interested for you to be able to perhaps open up a little bit is really actually validating the fact that it's okay to ask for things mm. because so that we stop sniggering behind mm-hmm. or at somebody for saying I want you to do this to me mm-hmm. like um and I guess you're really well placed because you have you have completely destigmatized normalized that dialogue mm-hmm. with your clients it's an effort mm. but it's so worth it even if at the end of the day, the answer to the question is there's nothing more that you want to try. There's nothing outrageous because we do tend to do this thing where if your sex life is a bit stagnant, because it happens, mm. you know, um, we go to the extreme and we decide that we're going to do something completely left field and then it doesn't go right because you're not into it and you get scared back into your shell and you think, okay, well, I'm never trying that ever again. Um, and so it's such a platitude. But with talking about sex, I always approach it as its journey, not destination. Mm. It's the conversation. Because the destination could be exactly the same square that you landed on. But having had the conversation... You know, like when... um, I try and view it the same. If if you were having an argument with a partner, or if they'd done something that was a slight, or whatever, and you were upset about it, and you were a bit embarrassed for being upset, maybe you're one of those times where you're like, am I being tetchy? Is that, mm. is that what happened? Am I overreacting? You'd sit down and you'd have a cup of tea and you, you might be a bit nervous, but you would take the breath, wouldn't mm. you? And you'd go, love, can I talk to you about the other day? And you'd do that because that anxiety and that cloud over you of wanting to talk about that, mm. you know, you'd want to get rid of the cloud. Do the same thing with sex. Take the deep breath, put the kettle on, open your mouth, Frame it in a way which is kind, because that tends to be what happens as well. Where sex is important and it's an act of passion, quote-unquote. Conversations about it, especially if someone isn't satisfied, tend to happen when they're angry at being dissatisfied. Right. I've done that, you know, when a husband has done the wrong move at the wrong time, and I've been like, for fuck's sake. And as it happens, by the way, your finger game is lacking (laughs) recently. And like now is not the time to bring that up. The time Mm. is with the cup of tea and to go, darling... Um, I'd really like it if we tried I saw this thing earlier and I can't figure out if I think it's sexy or if I think it's silly what do you think about it but to always do it calmly and kindly I've got this whole thing about language, words like I won't get sidetracked but words like manipulate Mm. are viewed as evil not always, sometimes you have to be manipulative and the word here is confrontational is always consider confrontation is always considered to be an aggressive, violent act. Mm. I'm I'm consistently confrontational, 
compassionately. There's an alliteration as well. Mm. I, you can say, darling, you're being a bit of a, a muppet at mm. the minute. You know, you're really getting this wrong. I've been dropping hints all week. Um, you know, or I've been trying to get you to watch this porn clip with me because I, I can't figure out if I think it's sexy and maybe mm. if you did too. Um, you're confronting them. You're saying, hey, you know, I want to talk about this. I, I want to get this off my chest. And I'd like it very much if you could hear me. Mm. Um, and that's all you can do from, from your own, is just open your mouth and talk. What if someone's listening to this and my audience is predominantly female? Yeah. So what if somebody's listening to this and uh, perhaps they're in a relationship, maybe a husband, partner, whatever, mm. and the partner is saying, we're not doing it enough. Or when we are doing it... I'm not enjoying it as much as I wish I could. Mm. And as you say, sometimes those conversations happen from a place of frustration and mm. anger and it so can be... So you put extra spikes in there, yeah. Mm. What would... How... What's a good way to manage that as someone who's that's being said to? I think um, being really honest about it, um, not bowing to that pressure of the dutiful wife or the dutiful partner... And standing your ground, mm. which I know that doesn't sound productive, but uh, let's say in, in blowjob class, uh, I'll say, you know, if he only ever gets a blowjob once a year, lucky him on that day once a year. Mm. Like this question about how much sex should you be having? Like how much sex do you want? Um, and if you're mismatched like that, again, that's a conversation that has to happen, but don't go to bed under, under pressure. Mm and point out to him hubby or whatever you saying that we're not having it enough is essentially telling me that that you want me to put out more Mm. um that's not okay you know that's not an okay pressure to put on me maybe you should turn me on more Mm. you know maybe if you took me out as an episode of south park where he keeps taking his wife to the theater because it makes her want to give him a blowjob (laughs) this is a two-way thing if you expect me to quote unquote put out which i hate then maybe you need to be making me want to. And then, of course, you've got, um, again, the horrible unfair imbalance. You've got things like menopause or whatever. You know, some women uh, that I speak to when, when they're perimenopausal are the horniest they have ever been in their life. And other women are like, if you touch me below the belt, I will set fire to you and your entire family. Um, and he's, he's not owed that you know what I mean it's, mm. it's, I know it's another conversation for another day maybe um, but just because you're married or you're together he's not owed it's boundaries and yeah. I think that's obviously something that you are very skilled at in your work I only got skilled by doing it saying I don't want to do that mm. I don't like that very much mm. or I don't think I'd like to try that again mm. or you know if you're that frustrated maybe we could book a hotel away because I think maybe I'm stressed and so maybe mm. I'm going to be a bit more into it. If you could give me a massage and, you know, in my case, being a bloke, if you let me stick a picture of Jason Momoa to your back, uh, <laughs> then then I think I could get, get back into it quite comfortably. Mm. And But I only got that good at it by just doing it, by taking the deep breath. Mm. Um, and, it, you know, my husband and I the other day were talking and, and he was like, uh, how was your day at work? And, and I would be massively improved by getting my cock sucked. And he went, warm in, let me finish dinner. And, and to some people that sounds so unromantic, but it was mm. great because that was what I needed at the time. I just wanted to sit back, be a bloke, you know, and 
he it struck him in the same mood as well but mm. he equally would have been like I am in no mood <laughs> go to the bathroom here's your album of Jason Momoa photos um, oh god the things that I would do to that man um, that's, that's definitely another podcast uh, um, I don't want a flea bag situation you know when she's masturbating to Barack Obama mm. and he just listed flea bag as uh, one of his favourite yeah. shows and she, it's a bit like um, I'm going to squeak again. That's fine. You can I got run over away. by a postman years ago and I have a bad back. Um, but I really want to unpick that, but I'm just assuming that was just a I just got very hit innocent hit yeah. and run. Um, but uh, no, he equally, the husband, Jake's name is, uh, equally would have said, I'm really not in the mood. Mm. And that's fine. Like When I met him, he wasn't really good at communicating about that and he had to practice. So it's removing the embarrassment. Yeah. And not worrying about, and you've talked about this already, saying you don't care about what other people think. But for some people, saying what you want sexually, particularly, you might be able to say, I do not want that brand of bread in this house. I want this this make of TV. But saying, actually, I want you to do this to me in the bedroom is something that, it's like the toothpaste out the tube. Once it's out there, you can't can't put put it it back back in, in, so you just don't say it. Um, something which, let's say, you know, I was talking earlier about a lot of my clients love their wives. Mm. Let him or her surprise you. People will surprise you with this a lot of the time. I've learned that is when, when you just go bleh and the toothpaste is out, mm. you would be really surprised at how people go, okay, if that makes you happy. Mm. Um, blokes as well, you know, I, I, I don't mean to be generalising about about gender and blah, blah, blah. But if there's a chance that he's going to get his dick wet, then he's probably going to be in there. Right. Um, and when you love someone, you know, I had a partner years ago who was very into cross-dressing, and it's not massively my thing. Mm. But to see how happy and how turned on it made him, different type of turn on for me, but actually a really good one which is, again, sort of what I do with work, and I, and I would like to try and encourage people to experience it, is the type of turned on where you're not, you don't have a hat in the ring. Mm. You're not here for an orgasm. You're not here for it. You're, you're turned on because it's a sexual environment, mm. but actually you're just humouring. Might be not the, but you know what I mean? Mm. Humour your partner and let them be happy with the, the feet or the wearing your, let him wear your bra. Half of them are just going to want to wear your bra. Um... Or buying a little bum toy, you know, and letting him use that, not on you, on him. Mm. Um, but, like, let let people surprise you a lot of the time when you say, darling, I would really like to try this, this, or this. Or I've been thinking a lot recently about blah, blah, blah. It doesn't have to be racy, you know, you get the tips. And then it can work sometimes of, like, telling them what you thought about the last time you masturbated. I think I'd be divorced. Um, <laughs> no, I, I do. We'll say to each other sometimes... Um, when we're talking about sex or whatever, uh, say what was on your mind last time you had a wank. Uh, he didn't like it very much when I said his brother. Um, no, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. That's just me being awful. Um, but it doesn't have to be a, a sexy, like, oh, well, I was thinking about this. You could just say, you know what? I've been really thinking about trying whipped cream on the nipples. Mm. And get a, bit, get a bit of toothpaste on him. Um, As in, the get, metaphorical, it, get it out there, yeah. say it. Maybe don't lead, if it's something that's very intense, um, or maybe don't lead with that. What about also not falling into the trap of being so concerned about what they want that you then don't mean meet your own needs? Something, Where's that balance? You know the brain crunch I was talking mm. about earlier? 
that happens, if you pay attention to yourself during sex, happens more often than you'd think, you know, I'll be in the middle of whatever with my husband, and my brain will just go, I think that's enough. Right. And again, try and practice going, I don't like that, or I've had enough of that. So that you're not only practicing talking positively about sex, but also more boundaries. Right. Because then you're going to find it easier and you're going to start developing language with your partner. Uh, like uh, Jake and I call it a management meeting. If we're going to talk about sex, like we have a management meeting um, because I'm the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, you'll start being able to find then with boundary setting in the negative way as well as a positive way that it becomes really easy to say, buddy, you have not gone down on me for the last month. Or I am so sick of that bloody pair of panties you know can we please have sex without that Mm. um but because you're getting the positive as well it doesn't blow up into this awful well i haven't had a blowjob either because Mm. you have actually you did last week and we spoke about it and it was nice yeah and so it becomes a sort of um ouroboros you know like every other aspect of the relationship Mm. sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's really bad and you talk about it Mm. and you would say that made me really happy when you bought me a bunch of flowers and that made me really unhappy when it had a bee in them. You, you know what I mean? Like you would say that. And so you do the same about sex and it becomes mm. really easy to just like try, try and talk to your partner about sex with the same confidence that you would about the weekly shop. Yes. And is that part of the blowjob course, which obviously the link to it will be in the show notes. But um, is that a, in that two hour session is a lot of it rather than just immediately Putting oh, yeah, the lollipop in people's hands. The first like... hour is very... I am a bloke, despite mm. what appearances might suggest. And so here is what it's like. Here is how we feel. There's a whole bit about how my first boyfriend ruined my relationship with semen. Uh, as in my own, he used to do the whole... Oh. And that's so damaging, <laughs> you know? Because, oh God, there must be something wrong with it. Mm. That it must be gross. It must smell bad. It, do you know what I mean? Mm. And you know, again, women get it really badly with the femme fresh and blah, blah, blah we're told that our genitals are smelly and dirty and gross. Mm. And that, Feminine hygiene uh-huh. products, yeah. And that, that really got in my head mm. for years that there's something wrong with it. Actually, it turned out he just didn't like swallowing. Mm. And so a lot of classes about those sorts of things of, of men, we might not be as quick to discuss it, but you can feel when someone's humouring you, you can feel when someone's mm. swallowed out of what they feel is obligation. You can feel when someone has just sort of opened their legs and they're just going to hop on and get on with it. Mm. And when it comes to sex, again, you would say with a meal like, oh, this, you know, I'm, I'm full or I'm not very hungry right mm. now or whatever. But it feels like with sex, you can't do that a lot of the time. It's black and white. There's no grey. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, there, there is a lot of talk of that. In, in a lot of my classes, I always try and do sort of hypothetical talk first. And then we get to the fun, mm. dildo on the forehead, lollipops. <laughs> because you, you've got to have a giggle mm. at a blowjob class, and it, it's a giggle. But yeah, I do, do a lot of talking about what it's like on the receiving end as a man and how it, you know, we think about sex and, um, you know, it's a, it's a joke. I don't understand straight people very much, but I, I think that straight men like curry and football. Uh, <laughs> and so the, the line in there is, you know, unless you want to suck his dick enthusiastically... Um, there are other ways to show him that you're thinking about him and caring about him let him have a curry and watch the football Mm. Um, and then on the flip side you know using sex as a currency or as a weapon Mm. are things which we like I'm me too I am not perfect at all 
but you know when you like you buy the new lingerie you get your hair done and you sort of skin over the sofa like that and the butt's in the air but he's just come in from work mm. and he's going to walk straight past you <laughs> not clock the new lingerie and go mm. straight to the bathroom for a shit <laughs> and then you're now angry and pissed off because he didn't jump you in your sexy new lingerie that was a trap you knew that was going to happen you knew that he and we've all done those sorts of things you know what I mean because we're of, relying on clues cues and rather than saying than wanna fuck direct language yep and you don't have to put it so coarsely. Um, and so you, developing language like that is really important. As a management meeting, things like that. Mm. A way that you communicate about it where you feel comfortable. Mm. You know, like moist. That word sets people off. I almost threw up in my mouth when you said Sorry. it. If that's, that's interesting that that is the thing today <laughs> that almost got you the mouth pan- off. You said panties as well earlier. Oh, and it's a horrible word, isn't off. it? Yeah, I, it was... yeah I, I see that word a lot. Um... I was doing, I was neutralising. <laughs> there you go. Um, sorry, it's squeak. Um, bloody postman. Um, but um, we are actually coming to the end of our time end, together, yeah. which is very sad. But um, I really didn't want to turn this into just an anecdote in the way that I can sometimes get drawn into at dinner parties mm. about saying, telling stories about terrible celebrities. But we have talked about the fact that there are some... There is some comedy mm. and not necessarily in this job, but our mutual friend said, oh my God. And I don't want to give any details because I want you to tell it, but you've got, if you're comfortable, yeah, you've I got do, to I get will, him I do to have tell to tell the media friendly, but am I telling it now? Yes. Yeah. It's the, I'll have to do the media friendly version. Um, for legal reasons, it turns out that there's no statute of limitation in this country. Oh, okay. <laughs> fine. But uh, I do kidnap sessions. Every so often. Ooh. And they are a hell of a lot of work. You just, that just rolls off the tongue. Yeah. But that, that sets me on edge like panties and moist. Okay. But carry on, carry yep. on. Um, listen, it's a, it's a hell of a lot of work. And essentially the structure is, um, the person will give you sort of a schedule and an idea of where they're going to be on a handful of days. So all consensual. Completely. All completely. completely yeah. Uh, transparent. Um, and... So you will then uh, hire a van, blah, 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 snatch them, take them back to the dungeon, have the session. Mm. This fella um, decided that it would be great if uh, he couldn't see it coming. Because like I was saying earlier, I look like a Disney villain. My colleagues, you know, a six foot one woman coming at you with arse length red hair and malicious intent. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, And he wanted it to be really didn't see it coming and so right. I, I sat there really again customer service like so as real as possible yeah right i'm really racking my brains on how am i going to get him you know mm. um and so my mother uh says, <laughs> Sorry, is, dis- is disabled and she drives a mobility scooter and uh, so uh me and the colleague that were working on the session like how are we going to get him in a way that that isn't, and we'd been like stalking him all week and all this sort of stuff. Um, just, just like sitting outside cafes, knowing where he's going to be. I'm already giggling, but I'm going sorry. Like, <laughs> well, as holes, he goes past, yeah. Holes cut out in news. So, but so he can spot us, you know what I mean? He's like, oh, is it going to happen now? And mm. So this, I mean, it's work. It's like a full week of chasing this horny little man uh, around London. Um, so he's constantly in a state of like semi-arousal thinking. And when's oh, it coming, right, when's right, it coming? Right, right, right. Yeah. Um... 
So you can see the fun of it for him. For us, we're having a nervous breakdown the yeah. whole week. But when it comes to the actual snatch... <laughs> and your mum's involved here. Remind me how? Come in. Right, okay. The actual snatch. The grand <laughs> event. Um, he needs to not... Because, of course, you have to distract him and get him still long enough to get him in the van. Mm-hmm. And he didn't want to see it coming. And so we were racking our brains for ages and like, my mum. My mum, that's perfect. <laughs> like, where, where she's such an asshole... Um, and so happy, you know, um, so I got on the phone, like, so happy doing what? Sorry. Anything ridiculous. Right. And so mum, do you want to make 500 quid? And our actual response was, yeah, who am I kicking in? And like, no mum, no one. You're not kicking in anyone, mum. Um, what I need you to do is pull up beside this guy on Upper Street in Angel. Mm. So busy mm. pull up beside this guy in your mobility scooter on your scooter and right. just say sorry darling my battery because the battery's in between our feet sorry darling my battery's broken um can you please help me replace it and she's covered in tattoos and everything but she passes very well as a little old lady when she puts a hat and you know right. and a coat on and then we will simply pull up around the corner we're literally like five meters away you know we will pull up around the corner screech to a halt make it look like a big deal bundle him in the van off off we go right um, and she got, according to her, got lost in the character, <laughs> pulled her walking stick out, and went, get on the fucking floor, and whacked him over the legs with it. And so we're there going, ah, go, go, go. Um, and this is where the media uh, bit but um sort of go we bundled in the back of the van and from there on out uh, authorities were involved <laughs> blah 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 um but uh yes my mother got lost in character and so now to, and, and full method full method battered the poor guy with the walking stick and he he afterwards despite the authority involvement and what turned into a very long very stressful day um the guy actually did say it was the best experience of his life <laughs> Um, so it was fine. But now, to avoid that, my mother is not allowed to be involved anymore. Mm. She, she is banned from kidnaps. Uh, and my husband or someone will now wear a placard and hold a video camera saying, please do not be alarmed, student film in progress. And that stops people from alerting the authorities right. and ending up in a chase. Her and I were invited on Jeremy Kyle recently, actually, and she wanted to go on just so she could headbutt him. Well, no chance anymore. They've cancelled him. Good. Yes, quite right. Um, This has been (laughs) such an educational conversation about so much. And, um, yeah, I I have a million other questions, but unfortunately we don't have another two hours to record. Um, But thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me and listening to me about... It's nice to have people say, hey, you guys might have a hard time or there are these laws or whatever. Talk about them. It's nice. Mm. So thank you for having me. You're very welcome. And I also, I do think that with this podcast, people might think this is, this seems like an unusual guest Mm. from from who you usually have. But I hope what I try to do with the podcast generally is try to understand people Mm. and conversations with others help us understand ourselves and other people. And I Mm. do think that yours is a viewpoint that is so worth hearing. No, it is. I, I hope so. Like, listen, sex, it's one of those um, 
it's like a barometer mm. for a person. So when you know what's going on in their head on that front, you can normally piece together a lot, a lot of other stuff. So thank you for validating my ridiculous nonsense. I love it. I'm sure it. my mother will be very happy. <laughs> um, obviously, listeners, all the links to Master Dominic will be in the show notes and anything else that we have mentioned. But um, that's it. Thank you so much. And I will see you on the next one. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. If you want to get in touch with me, I would love it. Email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or why not slide into my DMs on Instagram and Twitter where I am at Emma Guns. If, however, you would like to talk to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast, then why not click the link in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode, and click the link to join the Facebook forum. There are thousands of us in there having lots of chats about all sorts of things and we'd love to see you in the conversation. Just click that link, answer the questions, agree to the forum rules and you will be welcomed in with open arms. I genuinely cannot wait to see you there. It's been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you on the next one. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.